everybody. Welcome to an episode of Fun with Flame. I am your host, Daniel the Flame. And this episode is going to be on a YouTube video that literally came out four years ago. And it's called Shonen Anime's Biggest Problem. Uh, anime's with an apostrophe S, if you will. But this was a YouTube video I saw a long time ago, um, back when it first was released, because it is done by a gentleman by the name of Steven Crescetz. Um, I'm sorry if I cannot pronounce your last name, but it is K-R-O-S-E-C-Z. Now, I used to look at when he did um, his abridged series of Attack on Titan abridged, and that's essentially why I was like subscribed to his YouTube channel and um, saw a lot of his stuff and everything. But eventually, I unsubscribed as um, the content of his videos, much like the Shonen anime, Shonen's um, anime, Shonen anime's biggest problem, uh, essentially threw me off to his content, um, and it it was something that I was generally upset with, but at the time, just couldn't really express myself, you know, <laughs> or anything like that. Didn't have a platform to do that, and so I thought about it one day because it is something that I generally think back on to. Um, when having uh, different talks and stuff like that with friends of mine, and I think back to the video or how I felt about the video or that concept of shonen, an shonen anime having a problem and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I just remember my retorts from back then because it did anger me so that it stayed with me. Now, I haven't seen this since the initial video itself, and there have been other people who have done videos talking about shonen anime and stuff like that. I mean, there's the whole fucking anime YouTuber community, for God's sakes. But generally, this guy's take on stuff, um, it, it well, his take on this particular subject itself, it, it, it rubs me the wrong way, if you will. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, it just generally disagreed with everything. But like I said, I don't really remember everything that's in the, um, in the context of this, uh, video and it's a nine minute 13 13 second video but um don't really remember anything but he he did do a video once over uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and it was called like Pirates of the Caribbean Accidentally Genius which I generally agreed with and like his takes on a lot of the stuff with Pirates of the Caribbean I was generally interested in and whatnot and it's like yeah then you can totally get all this stuff from Pirates of the Caribbean and it was like yeah 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 I totally agree um I agree you know, for the most part with you, but then he, but like, as you, like I said, like there, a lot of his takes are like, oh, hell no, because the, the dude got a video called The Last Jedi, why I loved it, <laughs> you know, like The Last Jedi, seriously, <laughs> so it, you have that, and then he also had a video of Spider-Man Homecoming, why I loved it, and I believe I did a podcast over that video before as well, um, I think, I think I did, I don't even remember, but the Shonen anime one is one that just reigned true about, um, towards, like, so much stuff, and, like, it was really the, the video that kind of, uh, stopped me from looking at any of his stuff, um, and it's not like he's really been into YouTube ever since, clearly gotten away from it, but one of those people who essentially seemed like he graduated or uh, had like a film major or something like that but generally a lot of people who 
study film in some sometimes are kind of pretentious with that aspect like not not every time but sometimes you know it's a lot of things where they're kind of taught as like this genius take of a of a of a non understanding mind when they don't really take into account a lot of stuff that was done because of either being cheap cutbacks or just plain dumb luck you know one of the reasons why so many film teachers kind of bring up and talk about Alfred Hitchcock when a lot of his movies have different like uh situations that went on and like like the dude was a genius filmmaker but then there's some things that you kind of have to equate to exactly how fucking crazy that guy was and just kind of fumbling into greatness sometimes just sometimes but um <laughs> i'll just e equate it to that so before we uh get into it make sure you um you know subscribe to my anchor.fm Slash Daniel the Fay, uh, Daniel the Flame. Jeez, I forgot my fucking name. Uh, Daniel the Flame, uh, page podcast area. I don't fucking know. Um, to get an update on more content that I do, you know, helps you keep up to date when I drop stuff. I do it on regularly, damn near every goddamn day. So let's get right into this. But this is again, Shonen Anime is the biggest problem by Stephen Krasheshk. Examining the storytelling of the most popular mom. This is a video examining the storytelling of the most popular manga of Shonen Jump in an attempt to learn from their successes and failures. I mainly created this for myself and for others who want to more fully understand how to create satisfying long-form stories. I will be spoiling major story elements. Mm. What? <laughs> I'm not confused on that. I'm, I'm just confused on the concept of like um, creating long-form stories. Um... Or just, you know, never mind. <laughs> ...for every series I mentioned, so consider this your warning in advance. Now, we may as well start at the beginning of Shonen as we know it. Alright, uh, well, if you don't know what that music is, that is the Dragon Ball theme song. Um, full disclosure, I am a huge, fucking huge Dragon Ball Z fan. Um, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z fan. Uh, I love the series. L love it to death. Um, seen every episode, got every episode, fucking love it. So I'm really touchy when it comes to this subject. You know, if you want to sit there and, um, poke hairs or whatever the fuck it is that I got to say, but I just, just know that generally when it comes to talking about said subject or history or, um, lack thereof, if you will, or just overall information that comes with Dragon Ball Z, I I kind of got my thumb on the pulse on that one, but uh, just just again, it, it it's just like it, as many excuses as people have for the series. I also have reason to be. You, know, you see, now I'm just sucking the proverbial dick. Just play the fucking video, Dan. Okay. Dragon Ball created an entire genre almost single-handedly, and Akira Toriyama deserves all the respect in the world for it. But while he did many things well, there were also many mistakes made in this series that others would eventually make as well. The most prominent of these issues was Escalation. Once Dragon Ball made a... Okay, um, there, uh, there is a, a huge um, identifiable flaw. Um, this is a common theory and a... Uh, it's not a common theory, but it's a common uh, practice or... The, maybe theory. Um, I, I should say theory because I really can't 
um, think of a, a, a wordage for it. But um, this is associated a lot with like the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Excuse the fact that I'm going to the MCU, but it is a of a current um, pop culture nature that a lot of people can grasp hold of. Um, it is like the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie structure. Uh, it's been done before. It's been done to death. And everyone is used to it by now. But at the same time, you do you judge the first movie, Iron Man, by the same standards that you would uphold to the rest of the Marvel, um, the MCU movies? Considering that that was the first one, or that was the one who essentially set the groundwork for how these movies were played, um, or I mean how these movies are made and um, progress, can you honestly say that a lot of the flaws that appear in the later movies that essentially try to copy its framework are um, held to the same degree of scrutiny as the original one that essentially pioneered the entire endeavor when the original one would more so be celebrated for its ingenuity or its indifference in handling said story. Um, is it fair to say that it is a cliche ridden, um, overhaul or giant clunky mess that essentially the rest of the MCU movies would copy when that's the first one that's ever done it. That's the first one that's ever introduced the main character reaching a problem, becoming a hero based upon his own hubris or something that he's done and then trying to give back at what rightfully he should have. It just the whole structure being the three parts, you know, the the um the showcasing of the character, the fall of the character that leads to them becoming the hero, and then their inevitable rise up into the hero that they're supposed to be MCU, you know? But can you honestly look at Iron Man and then sit there and go, well, this is a cliche of the superhero genre when it's like, this is the first movie that did that. It's not a cliche. This is, this is, this did it, this is the one that did it before the cliches. Like, you might not be aware of that or you might not essentially look at it that way because this is your first time seeing the movie but it's damn near the equivalent of looking at something like Romeo and Juliet and then accusing them of being a cliche um love uh, a star-crossed lover story when it's like this is this this is the the story that kind of inspired all of the other stories to follow suit you can't really hold it in the same regard. You have to take that into account when you're judging it or looking at it like that. Because again, by claiming and saying that it pioneered a bunch of stuff, you also have to take into account that it is the first one to do it. If there was an easier way to get to America, that doesn't change the fact that the first person who got to America did so the way how they did. You know, it was like you could easily 2020 vision look back and go, well, you definitely could have just use this kind of boat or did this this kind of way and whatnot but that doesn't change the fact that this is how they did it the first time period <laughs> so let that just have that in the back of your mind while we listen on to this full transition into being predominantly an action series Toyama seems to have felt pressure to constantly one-up what he had done before. I'm not sure if that was just his own pressure or pressure that his editors were putting on him, but that's how it comes across. Toriyama has gone on record stating that he really just made up the story as he went along, and honestly, uh, he did an, uh, an amazing job 
when you learn that's how he did it. It's genuinely impressive how his stories felt as tight as they did, despite his lack of planning. That, that takes real skill. However, I think that method eventually caught up with him. I think things went pretty well for a large portion of the series, but the real issues hit during the Frieza saga, specifically towards the end of it. Power levels began to dominate the story, as well as the concept of transforming into a stronger version of yourself. Neither of these ideas are inherently bad, in my opinion, but they're the easiest symptoms of the problem to point to. Escalating... Okay, uh, common misconception. Big time fucking... I, I hate that I use this word a lot in order to back up what people get wrong um, when I try to back up when people get shit wrong. But um, common misconception that's done when it comes to power level, it's weird that he looked up that much about Akira Toriyama talking about Dragon Ball, but then didn't look up anything else, especially when it came to these variations of stuff. But um, power levels were generally introduced during the whole Frieza saga and the um, Saiyan saga and everything like that to initially become uh obsolete they were meant to be a uh a fucking they they held you back really because throughout the entirety of dragon ball and um uh for the most part uh throughout the rest of dragon ball z power levels are never really scaled in a number sense it's weird that essentially the genre as well as the industry because you see this shit a lot within uh, Chinese stories and whatnot try to use a power scaling system to justify character strength and abilities and whatnot. This is like, I mean, like when the Chinese do it, it's so, so fucking like cliche at this point. It's just disgusting. Whereas like you are set on a particular level and that judges exactly what all you can accomplish as someone in a fighting position or a fighter or whatnot. And then the main character generally can overcome some people who are a couple of levels ahead of them by ingenuity, thinking, and planning and whatnot. And literally, that was the entire reason behind power levels. Um, they generally became an obsolete concept as soon as Captain Ginyu showed up. When Captain Ginyu showed up, that should have been the wake-up call to the enemy's position that using power levels to judge um, characters' abilities is pointless because that does not mean that you have a clear streak of winning or anything like that. And then that was also proven to be something that the enemies can overcome even though the main characters might be stronger than them in the act of what Captain Ginyu did, which was being able to switch bodies. You couldn't tell that he was able to do that because of his power, uh, because of his fucking power level. That's just an ability he had and the problems arise the way that they did. But the power level system itself was always a, a crux for the villains. They could not tell when they were um, where the heroes were, who were capable of either being just slightly weaker than them or on par with them because they were able to hide their power levels. They depended on the scouters in order to find people. They could not sense energy, a normal um, ability that they had on Earth that essentially these incredibly powerful beings weren't capable of doing because they relied on everything being showcased to them by the scouters so it was never intended to be a system that the entire series itself rules on because immediately when the Frieza saga is over with power levels are never mentioned again throughout the rest of Dragon Ball Z ever they're, they're never referenced you can feel someone's energy they can sense 
people fighting and whatnot. But power levels are never a thing that is used or a, or a numerical number based on someone's exact power. The last time anyone actually mentions a number is Frieza, if I'm not mistaken, when he says his power level was clocked at 1 million when he did his first transformation. And that's it. That's, that's as far as it ever went. That's as far as it ever will go. It was the 1 million. And that's why I hate, like, sidebar. That's why I fucking hated this um, screw attack people. Uh, Goku versus Superman thing because they used a power a power level scaling system when that again would be completely ridiculous considering that they became stronger as time went on. So Goku at Super Saiyan when he fought Frieza is weaker than Goku at Super Saiyan when he fought Cell because don't forget Goku was still just Super Saiyan when he fought Cell. Totally different, um, totally different power levels, but the character was still a fucking Super Saiyan. So that's why the concept of power levels would be obsolete. So using that as a as a just as a basis behind there being a problem with uh, what the series itself had going on, or there was like an issue, or if he had an issue with that, is generally weird um, because the concept of transformations itself was kind of being introduced in a way to uh it, it it wasn't i don't see that as a bad thing it, it was a slow push into that because we've had the incredible uh power levels being raised when vegeta turned into the giant ape same thing being introduced when gohan was able to do it we knew goku was capable of doing these things when he was younger the, these are things that were introduced early on within it was something that was introduced early on within dragon ball and then dragon ball z they just kept progressing it other people were capable of transforming other people could get stronger as time went on or they had different forms that just greatly increased their power so when goku finally turned into a super saiyan it wasn't so far-fetched that you looked at it as like oh my god like no one else in the series is capable of doing this it was just a this is so epic and awesome because we were told and mentioned the concept of a Super Saiyan being brought up by Vegeta, but there was never any justification behind it of what it actually fucking looked like, aside from his little fairy tale speech and then him constantly saying that he was such a creature. So I I cannot agree with the aspect of saying that that was something that hindered um, anything in Dragon Ball Z, especially with the storytelling, as it was masterfully put into the story that these are things that this series is totally capable of doing. Everything was kind of mentioned and brought on and slowly given to you because the episodes in which Vegeta first mentioned what a fuck a Super Saiyan is and when Goku actually finally turns into a Super Saiyan are very, very fucking far apart. <laughs> so it's not as if this was something that was just a... What like what we would get now, where a character just immediately gets a sudden boost of energy and transforms into a brand new state without any um, inkling of this being uh, a concept that could actually ever happen. It's something that essentially immediately when an emotional trigger is pulled, a character transforms in an anime. Now we just have this boom, this, this burst of a character and it's like, oh, like, wow, they're. Now they're going to be beating the shit out of this person who was just beating them up earlier. But that's the cliche that was brought on because Dragon Ball Z essentially set the standard for that being okay within the series. But again, Dragon Ball Z was so well written that it made it 
okay in its story for that to actually happen. And you would see plethora of people copying it, but no one ever actually striking gold the same way. Transforming into a stronger version of yourself. Neither of these ideas are inherently bad, in my opinion, but they're the easiest symptoms of the problem to point to. Escalating stakes quickly became synonymous with citing larger numbers instead of creating dramatic stakes, which I believe Akira Toriyama noticed, which is why he drops power levels completely after Freeze was gone. See, and again, he's he's kind of like basing the whole power level thing within Dragon Ball Z as something that he was going to stick with, but. Throughout watching Dragon Ball Z, you can tell that that was never going to be apparent. It was never a concept that the main characters essentially needed to learn or that they hindered that the main characters themselves would, um, were doing less because they couldn't tell power levels. It never was apparent. It was always a thing that the villains used, and it just came on as a crux because that's what it was. So these Totally wrong on that aspect, because you can tell by the writing that that was never the forefront behind anything, or any, um, ever. I mean, even when you had the moment when Bulma fixed the scouter to be able to read power levels, it got destroyed, because it was pointless, you know? And it was like, it seemed almost as if this might be the introductory, um, the introduction to power levels being a common uh, factor within the series, but it was ultimately pointless as these characters are capable of sensing energy and then increasing and decreasing their power levels. So completely, completely wrong on that front. This was never something Akira Toyama tried to introduce and it was supposed to stick. It was something he introduced as a crux um, because it allowed and it justified a lot of the actions that happened within the series. Having Vegeta be damn near what, like power level of 19,000 while Goku's was over um, 8,000 and Goku still becoming the bane of his existence after everything went on. The shit that Vegeta, like, by the number standard, Vegeta should have won. But because of the incidents that took place, Vegeta lost. Now, again, I can't argue with the fact that Shonen itself, because of how creatively bankrupt anime is as a whole, and I'm not just talking about Shonen, I mean anime as a whole. Anime as a whole is a very is a whirlpool of creative bank um bankruptcy <laughs> that just has shitty stuff happening all the time because they just copy off of something else that's popular and a lot of manga could just are inspired by their favorite thing and that shit seeps into other stuff that they're creating you see it all the fucking time if you read other things and not just shonen but it's in a lot of fucking stuff hell there's so many shoujos that have the exact same art style it's disgusting but Different artists and um, art um, and writers and whatnot, but it's like this is the exact same fucking thing, and, and it's weird. But I would not make this something that was a fault on Dragon Ball Z that then just spread around to everyone else. This is a common thing that happens with Dragon Ball Z being taken into other shonen anime shit, where essentially people misunderstood what the fuck happened. It was obvious if you just paid attention to it, but... They liked what they liked. The concept of giving a numerical number to someone's abilities to justify how strong they are is a nice, neat concept. You, you Kids love that shit, but it's not what Dragon Ball Z was about. It never was. This was never a thing within Dragon Ball. So that just being something that was expanded upon because, hey, it just seemed cool to have a leveling system to these people's abilities so we can finally have something to equate their power to. Yes, 
it could expand and go into this crazy ass free fall um, concept that is then later on based in different anime and manga to justify different things. You have the level of ninja within Naruto. You had the um, different forms of abilities within uh, Hunter x Hunter. And yes, I say Hunter x Hunter. Fuck that Hunter x Hunter. There's an X in that series in the name. <laughs> but uh, in Hunter x Hunter, you have uh, the fucking demon uh, rankings within Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, in One Piece, you have the bounty um, within all the characters, which is used as a leveling system of sorts now. But even though the bounty system itself is kind of a more so a joke and just an understanding of the importance of what a character has done rather than an actual um, leveling system. Because take into account how Chopper is like a hundred and something and Usopp is like an incredibly high number. But if you look at what those characters are capable of doing... Usopp is literally the weakest member in the Straw Hat Pirates, but <laughs> but again, people use that shit as a leveling system. And then hell, even the uh, warlords have a weaker, have a low bounty, but people tend to forget that their bounties were placed after um, they stopped after they were allowed to become warlords. So they're probably way way stronger than you would think they are, but using bounties as a leveling system would kind of fuck that concept up. So, it's not... It's not that Dragon Ball Z did anything wrong. It's just that other people misinterpreted what they did. And happens all the fucking time when it comes to Shonen copying off of DBZ. Happens all the fucking time. So, I, I wouldn't fault it for that or doubt it for that or anything like that. And... It, it it wasn't anything, and then to further go into what he was saying as dramatics, that's fuck out of here with that. <laughs> to to take or to complain about a series that essentially that is based around action, that is action. It's about people fighting. There doesn't need to be a dramatic stake. There doesn't need to be. A whole lot riding on something there doesn't need to be this incredible back and forth between characters duking it out mentally because that's not what the series is about the series is about people fighting so doing whatever you can to justify or to have these characters fight is what the series is about that's all that they need to do it didn't ruin the series it doesn't need it just made the series what it was because there was no need for an improvement on that front because that's all that there was to it these characters aren't like this isn't the same as light yagami and l and death note squaring off against each other through a battle of wits how retarded would it be to have light yagami and l square off against each other in a fist fight to determine exactly whether or not Light will write L's name down in the Death Note. No. Hell, when they had a moment when they finally did hit each other, it was just the fact of the emotions welling up within both of them and then pushed to the boiling point that they would literally throw hands on each other. <laughs> that was such a, a powerful moment within their relationship because that's just what that situation entailed at that point in time. But it didn't but it wasn't used as a basis to justify anything they didn't use that as a turning point between whether or not light plan actually worked or l was getting a one-up on light no that was just a situation within those characters just reaching that point that they would finally fight each other but 
that's not, it wasn't something where it was like, well, now that they throw hands on each other, we need to see them do some crazy-ass martial arts along with it. No. You, you see how that doesn't fucking work? And it was like, that's not what the series is about. The series is, this is an intellectual, crazy-ass series that we got going on. So it doesn't really fit to restrict the series within those confines because essentially you would want to see more dramatics. I would have rather have better fight scenes considering that they had so much scrutiny and cheap animation being done at that time in order to cut costs thus the huge amounts of fillers and all the many many minutes of them just having blank shit on the screens that just implied someone was being hit without you actually seeing anything something that plagued the Frieza saga to a horrible end <laughs> if you will but nah yeah, no, 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 no. I totally disagree with that front. That that you're completely wrong on that one. Synonymous with citing larger numbers instead of creating dramatic stakes, which I believe Akira Toriyama noticed, which is why he drops power levels completely after Freeze was gone. What stuck around, however, was transformation. Heroes and villains alike were an aesthetic change away from an instant power, something that would become a staple of not only the entirety of Dragon Ball, but shonen anime and manga as a whole. Stakes need a rise? Transformation! Heroes need more power? Here's the new transformation. Now the villain needs a transformation to counter that transformation, and then, you know, it goes on and on and on. But again, these are just easy symptoms to point out. The real problem is the entire idea that everything needs to constantly escalate to begin with. The fact is, an action story doesn't benefit from consistent escalation, because eventually the bigger a problem becomes the less meaning it tends to have okay now um this is wrong this is wrong in the scale of um for for uh, jesus christ like where do i begin this is wrong for dragon ball z standards first and foremost um because you're dealing with characters who literally get stronger every time they fight to diminish that by essentially going that action isn't really uh heightened because the threat becomes bigger or the enemy becomes stronger is generally not apparent within this series or within this story period because you're dealing with characters who essentially need to get stronger if this was the case then i mean if this was not the case then the villain within the cell saga should have been hercule who was essentially a character who was beloved by the world, but was weak compared to the main characters. But the main characters needed to find a way to defeat him, but Hercules spent most of his time actually running away or having peons fight them or people that he would augment or um, were capable of putting up a fight against these guys while still making him seem supreme while everyone else seemed lesser than him. Wouldn't have that been interesting? But no. That's not what the series was about. The series was about the characters that were fighting being incredibly powerful creatures and beings on their own front who did not adhere to the norm of other people and whatnot. They were constantly fighting people who were a general bigger threat and a far more powerful foe because they themselves were a general bigger threat and a far more powerful foe. So... This wasn't a negative thing towards Dragon Ball Z in, in any shape or the form. And again, giving or having Dragon Ball Z essentially take the blame from other things copying it without really having the same 
foundation that Dragon Ball Z had. Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball are built upon Goku become Goku being someone who got stronger every time he fought. He just constantly kept getting stronger. Dragon Ball Z justified this by having what the Saiyans were. And in and in stating and giving that um big needed nudge of information that Saiyans get stronger every time they fight. They thirst for battle. They seek it. They want it. They crave it. And having that and then using that to essentially push the story along within Dragon Ball Z was nothing but a positive because the story itself is an action-based free-for-all fist-pounding action. Yes, anything could have been done to the story to essentially make it far more creative or not as simple as it was, but it was simple. It was a simple story with a simple concept. It is a shonen. The thing that a lot of people tend to forget when it comes to shonen, um, first and foremost, is that shonen isn't meant for adults. It's meant for kids. And before, you know, you go on a rant and it's like, you know, it's the same thing where it's like, well, Daniel, you are against the whole concept of that shit being used for little kids in America. And it's like, yes, I am. And that's not the excuse that I'm giving. What I'm giving is that this is that these series, when especially Shonen, are done under the guise and the aesthetics of appeasing children, first and foremost, Japanese children at that. And by that concept, they have to adhere to certain rules in order to appease to Japanese little boys and children. And this is a culture that grew up over um, shine, um, the Sentai Rangers and fucking Kamen Riders, which essentially has a character constantly and only transforming to gain a big power boost in order to defeat an enemy. All Power Rangers, I mean, all Sentai Rangers, all Kamen Riders use that same um, concept that all Shonen use as well. That's how they function as shows. That This is appeasing towards these children. They don't necessarily have to be these big-time thought-provoking stories because what these children want is simplistic. And if you have what you consider the granddaddy of shonen anime is this incredibly simplistic story, then it's of no fault of its own. By all means, yes, you have something like Death Note, which you could... Um, basically argue should in no way, shape, or form be considered for kids, but it is a Shonen Jump property, and it's incredibly thought-provoking, and as well as a big anime in its own right. Yes, sure, it is, but it comes out the gate being that way. Dragon Ball and um, Dragon Ball, no, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z essentially came out the gate being what it was. It, there's no reason for it to, for you to essentially look in a negative aspect because of the fact that it just kept constantly escalating the threat because you also have to remember that the characters themselves were escalating as well. Again, Super Saiyan Goku who fought Cell is not the same Super Saiyan Goku um, who, uh, uh, who fought Frieza or who um, appeared when um, he fought, uh, who appeared when Trunks appeared. Just leaps and bounds are done with the characters, and so leaps and bounds have to be done with the villains. It fit within the story, because that's what the story was. Whether or not you intended it for kids or for adults, there's a reason why so many people drew to Dragon Ball Z. The story is simple. The characters 
are there. The story is there. It's well-rounded, well-developed, and it's tight, and it's fantastic. And just because these things is supposed to be this heart-pounding, gut-wrenching action, that's what it delivered. So there is no negative aspect to it not essentially changing up the format or doing something fresh and new and different. If it works, if, if, it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. There's nothing wrong with that. Yes, you can say that you want more, or you want to add different things to it and whatnot. By all means, yes, you can say this. There's a lot of things that I would love to add or change about Dragon Ball Z, but that's not what I got. And what I got is something that's incredibly beloved, and I still care about it. By all means, hindsight is 2020, but motherfucker, the shit ran perfect. <laughs> the, the thing was fantastic. It is literally the greatest anime of all time. Period. Because there has never been another anime that has had so much um, popularity and acclaim worldwide other than Dragon Ball Z. So, obviously, what you would like to be added to it was not something that it desperately needed. It was something that you would have personally liked, but it did not hinder the series at all. In no way, shape, or form was it, did anyone ever fucking bring up or talk about a Dragon Ball Z standards um, of the story that, man, they fight too much. <laughs> or, man, I wish they didn't fight so many strong people. Or, I don't really care. And, it, it, and you're kind of judging it or you're kind of putting a basis of, um, like I said, it's something that you would want or you would see or you would feel to, to care about or to say, like, you know, oh, the villain is threatening the entire Earth or whatnot. You know, it's like, I'm going to blow up the planet, and if you don't stop me. And then it's like, oh, like, you know, I heard that before, so it's not that really that big of a deal. And it never was. <laughs> it's like, it, it, it it never was. Throughout watching all of Dragon Ball Z, I was never in a moment where I was like afraid of the planet actually blowing up because it didn't happen. And then you know what Dragon Ball Z did? They had the planet fucking blow up. And then it was like, oh my God. <laughs> so it it just, it, it is good. <laughs> it was good. It, it wasn't good. It was great. It was fantastic because it was exactly what the story needed it to be because that's how this that's how the series built itself up to be well, essentially you're you're damn near complaining about the core concept of this anime when that should be the last thing you should complain about it's it to to um to give an example it's getting upset that you're <laughs> that you're looking at an anime that's about baseball or a high school baseball team trying to make it to the grand tournament or whatever, like you know how they all do. Um, but like high school baseball team essentially playing playing baseball all the time. Why won't they play another sport? Why won't they change the rules of the sport? Why don't they play someone who decides to play a sport just a little bit differently? Well, they're always going to play baseball. That's the point of the series. The core is the baseball that is that is the the confines that the story has itself built around you're not really intended to care about whether or not you know is this baseball game the the last baseball game they play most of the uh fucking 
school sports oriented anime deal under the um, idea that they're in a tournament where it's like uh, one loss elimination. And then the team itself is a ragtag bunch of people who have to learn and work together and grow as people up until the end of the series. And so you never once kind of fear that they're going to lose or get kicked out of the tournament. And because of that, it doesn't change the fact that there are so many goddamn sports shonen out there that just reek with popularity because they handle that story structure so well. The threat is there, but it's not the main focus of the story. Therefore, it's not that big of a fucking deal. The story itself is what's interesting. It's what you're looking at. I understand that you would want it to impact you a little bit more, but it doesn't have to because that's not the point of the show. <laughs> the show is doing its job. You just need to fucking watch it. I'm not saying that you shouldn't expect or want more from your uh, entertainment, but what I am saying is that judging the entertainment that you have based on, um, strictly based on what you would, what, what you would rather see <laughs> other than what it's giving you, when what you're seeing or what you would rather see goes against the core concept of the show, maybe you shouldn't be watching this show. <laughs> it's like you're kind of watching the wrong fucking show. And it's like, I want, I demand more from this story. And it's like, well, the story is really simplistic, but I demand more. Well, you're not going to get it here. <laughs> that's just, uh, that's just me. Oh, man, but before we do anything, I guess. Okay, after that quick little drink, I'm back. This entire planet will be destroyed is technically a much bigger problem than if we don't win, a character we love will die. On paper, one obviously matters more. In practice, smaller, more personal stakes leave much more of an impact on the viewer and are much more satisfying when resolved. What's your... Again. Oh, well, not again. Well, that's a personal preference. That is by far a personal preference. Um, you cannot base or judge the... Uh, the stakes given within the show or your concept of what essentially would be far more dramatic or far more appealing to the audience um, in, in that type of way. Because what if the people who are watching it feel that, um, you know, the stake of the world being at threat rather than this one person might dying is a more of a uh, bigger concept, you know, like almost as if, Hey, either you, shoot this guy, like, you know, either, either I kill, if I kill this one person, then the entire world will die. But, you know, can you allow that one person to die to save the rest of the world? Could you, like, is that not something where the stakes are essentially very skewed in that aspect? What if that was something where it's like, hey, you're going to sacrifice the whole entirety of a world to save one person? Are you fucking crazy? Like, these, these things aren't this isn't a this isn't a justifiable reason to sit there and say like you know like the the stakes would be would feel more personal to the viewer the that's that's literally up to the viewer to bring in that stake i hope that this is understandable what i'm trying to say but it it's literally something that the viewer would have to involve himself with yes by all means a character that you love and that you care about and them up and dying 
could be, you know, like, yeah, you would feel something more about that rather than the entire world being at risk. But it doesn't change the fact that the entire world is at risk compared to this one person dying. Um, and even that can be generally done wrong or terrible and, to the, and it actually not matter or it makes you feel anything. Take uh, Naruto, for example. When it fucking killed Neji. That wasn't something that was taken as a sad moment within the series. It was more so an annoyed moment by a lot of people because of the fact that it came out of nowhere. The character wasn't doing anything up until that point in time, and then they just killed him for shock value. And then you have a character like Guy, who did the Eight Gates, a, ser um, a technique that has been teased throughout the entire series as a technique that once you do it, you die from. And then the series decided to not kill him. <laughs> you see how that moment was like uh, how that moment of, of essential gratification from finally seeing it in its glory and him going out in a blaze of glory, fighting and protecting everyone within this ultimate secret technique that's putting a evil villain on a run for his money, but eventually will lead to his inevitable death. So he's has a small window of actually being able to accomplish something before the main character can get there. And it was like, oh, no, he didn't do it. He's going to die. You can feel sad because of this, but you did finally get to get that satisfactory release from seeing the eight gates, but then they don't kill Guy. Essentially, the series cripples him, and he goes around smiling, but literally a person who's all about the spirit of youth and moving and being free is now crippled forever, and isn't that just a worse fate for him? Why would the series, why would the creator do something like that? It's not sad, it's just kind of stupid. But it, let me ranting about Naruto, but as you can see, it, it's not, that's not really a justif, like, I don't see that as a justifiable thing to be like, oh, because the stakes are too big and, you know, and it's like you, you feel less for the entire world being at risk rather than an individual character being at risk that you would take it less of a threat at what the character is doing. I mean, hell, look at when Frieza decided to blow up Planet Namek. At that point in time, there was barely any people on the fucking planet. Everyone was basically dead, but still the threat of the planet exploding and Goku personally being killed was a problem, would you know? But that came with the threat of the planet exploding. And even then, the planet exploding was just a, uh, a matter of like Goku not being able to escape from it, and only Goku. But the threat of just the planet itself exploding was still there. God, it was such a good story. <laughs> it's like, I can't, oh man, it's just, you're, you're kind of putting DBZ, like, like DBZ is on a pedestal, you know, and it's like, it has its problems, but, um, a, a thing that I always talk about with Dragon Ball Z is the fact that there are more continuity issues rather than plot holes within Dragon Ball Z, um, and to, judge it and base it off of your essential like hey i'm watching this action series where these characters are capable of blowing up fucking planets and they're dealing with a villain who's telling them i'm gonna blow up the fucking planet but then they don't they're fighting well the core concept of the series is that they fight <laughs> so i'm not confused that this is happening and i'm not feeling stupid that this is happening and Almost each situation when a character comes to the planet and they threaten to blow it up or they threaten to destroy it or whatnot, they're there 
for an intended reason to actually fight someone. When Frieza first came to the planet, he wanted to kill everyone before Goku got back to see to show that he killed his friends personally. Then he was going to blow up the planet because he knew he couldn't breathe in space. That was his plan. When Cell wanted to blow up the planet, the motherfucker wanted to get a good fight in first because he felt that no one else would be able to challenge his power because he was perfect. Then he was going to blow up the planet. It wasn't the overwhelming threat that they were going to destroy the planet or whatnot that was the core con like the core problem there was far more to it it was far more developed you're kind of marginalizing what the concept was or what they had going on hell cell was a fucking threat on his own before the concept of him even just deciding to destroy the planet was anything as he was just going around drinking people <laughs> in a serial killer-esque concept that was just horrifying and and i fucking love within the series as they couldn't find this guy he was just absorbing and drinking people to make himself stronger and he was just going from town to town murders like mercilessly murdering hordes of people and nobody could stop him because they just could not find his ass and i love that <laughs> you know it's like, i love that aspect of so and just when he became perfect a long sought after dream that he wanted where he literally went through fucking time in order to accomplish his main goal was just to prove his perfection to beat that which he was created for to destroy goku to prove himself as the perfect being and then go off and do whatever the fuck he wanted and you never you don't really look at the cell games and kind of sit there and go well if they just don't make it through this he's gonna blow up the world it's like well if they don't make it through this they're gonna die all of them, <laughs> everybody, all the characters I love and the people in the world too. That's, it's not what DBZ was about. And it's like, I understand what you're talking about, but that ain't what was in Dragon Ball Z. So <laughs> it's like, it just, it wasn't there. It wasn't, that's not really what, the, that wasn't the Kool-Aid they were making. <laughs> so it, I understand the mistake, but that's just not what it was. But at the same time, I understand that being a concept within Shonen itself being a problem. But realistically, a lot of Shonens, a lot of them have that same have that same problem where essentially there's a lot more to what's going on than how people marginalize it. There's a hell of a lot more going on. Most shonen don't deal with world-ending threats. <laughs> they, they really don't. They really, really don't. <laughs> it's like it's it's crazy how how much Dragon Ball Z set a gold standard, but realistically, nothing can compete with that tier list. Honestly, like I said, it's on a fucking pedestal for a reason. But. I'm gonna just go back to press, press play. <laughs> On paper, one obviously matters more. In practice, smaller, more personal stakes leave much more of an impact on the viewer and are much more satisfying. And and um, the smaller, more personal stakes again. That's a preference thing. That's I don't see that as being something that anyone could just really adhere to. You look at um, look at fucking Star Wars. How beloved that series is, and um, as movies itself. When the first Star Wars movie is about stopping the Death Star, a weapon that is capable of blowing up fucking planets. And then you look at how ridiculous the uh, newer Star Wars movies are taken, where they had the Star Killer, which was capable of blowing up like five fucking planets at one time. And 
the love that people have for the first Star Wars movie in contrast to the disdain that people have for the newer Star Trek, um, Star Wars movies. I say Star Trek this whole time, but there's newer Star Wars movies where they just essentially copied what the first one did without actually being anything of purpose, really. There, there wasn't anything of, it, it was hollow because it was just copying it without really understanding what the hell was going on. But when you had the first Star Wars movie, and like I said, I've said this before, I am not a Star Wars fan. I do not like Star Wars, but I understand Star Wars. I understand that fandom. I get it because, like, you know, you realistically, you kind of need to get Star Wars to get a lot of stuff that's in pop culture um, nowadays. But, <laughs> like, uh, I I do like certain elements of it. I do enjoy certain video games from it and things like that. And it's like, hey, you need to know the lore if you want to understand this shit to kind of enjoy it a little bit uh, more, better, and whatnot. So, but with the first movie, having the Death Star be a weapon that was just inconceivable, literally, it just like that there was no way that that was going to be a thing to the point where the prequels and other story elements within Star Wars up until that point were just solely based on the idea of the Death Star itself getting made. That was how big of a deal this fucking weapon was. And so then when the newer ones just kind of had a copy version, but it was just bigger and badder, it just seemed kind of hollow because there was nothing to it. But when the originals just basically had it to where that weapon was the sole um, goal that the Emperor was um, striving for, this powerful weapon that just was this unstoppable force capable of wiping out planets and could just help and just rein in his rule over the galaxy so when you saw the character of princess leia who became a famous who became a beloved character throughout the entire series see her fucking planet her entire planet her kingdom get destroyed in one fell swoop because of the death star and then you went throughout the rest of the movies to grow in love and care for this character the idea behind the fact that this person lost everyone that they've ever loved to the death star became far more of a uh, a grounded acceptance not acceptance a, a I'm trying to think of a good word here but it helped you sympathize a lot with princess leia and the fact that she kept pushing for the resistance the way that she did despite what she had lost but the death star and the threat that it had was something that essentially was wiped out on the first movie and then upon the second movie, you find out that essentially they're building another one, you know? <laughs> and it it just, but like, even upon finding out that they were building another fucking Death Star, that still wasn't taken with a, oh, they're just copying the same thing as the first one. No, it was like, yo, the Death Star is a problem. They did so much just to get rid of the first one. How are they ever going to come back from this? <laughs> so... Again, this is a preference of a storytelling element because that's just that's just your preference. Um, whether or not something happens, I, I kind of really didn't prove my point with the Death Star thing, but <laughs> I, was, I was trying to. It made sense to me. I was trying to. But essentially, it's just the fact that, yes, a more personalized thing to the viewer might seem like something that they would respond more to, but... Not necessarily, um, if if that makes any sense. And it's like, it doesn't really matter 
what the overwhelming threat or the loss or the problem is. The story itself just kind of, if the story itself is good, it makes up for any elements that's lacking within whatever the threat possibly could be. Yeah, that's it. That, that's what I was trying to get to. Jesus Christ, all of that talking for nothing. But it it's not really um, an element to where you essentially just deem it that. Uh, it's not really an element that you could possibly take and be like, oh no, you know, because this isn't as high of the stakes and that um, I don't really care about it as much or anything like that. It was like, no, you have every right to care about it just the same if you feel that way. But that's all up to the viewer. It wouldn't have been said if it wasn't an element that the viewer themselves could resonate with. The idea of an overwhelming threat or a global catastrophe is not anything new to this series, but at the same time, it's also something that is conceivable within the confines of this story. You have literally the first person that they dealt with within Dragon Ball want to take over the world, not destroy it, take over it to where they would be in the right all the time. And what happened? They tried to stop him. They succeeded in stopping him. And then you had different elements of different people, different beings trying to take over the world after him. But the context, the contents of the story justified and allowed for these these different themes, elements, and story progression and concepts to blossom the way how they did within the story. You have the Red Ribbon Army trying to take over. You have Demon King Piccolo trying to take over the world. All of these motherfuckers capable and tried to take over the fucking world, but they were stopped over and over and over again. But the major threat was that they were going to take over the world. But how these stories played out changed how that progression actually went. Demon King Piccolo, my favorite in that aspect of Dragon Ball, as motherfucker had Tambourine kill both Chaozu and Krillin, and that's what pissed off Goku. <laughs> and that set the chain of events that happened for Goku to get stronger and for him in order to fight Demon King Piccolo, to the point where when Goku fought Demon King Piccolo, he didn't even know Master Roshi and um, Chaozu had died. I said Chaozu, but uh, Krillin had died from tambourine but uh chaozu and master roshi had died from dealing with a uh, demon king piccolo i believe that's when they died did chaozu get killed with Krillin? i cannot remember oh looks like i gotta rewatch oh, <laughs> dragon ball god damn it Ugh, how am i gonna punish myself by looking at something i actually enjoy god damn it <laughs> fuck i <laughs> one result what do you remember most about Cell's defeat? Do you remember that the world wasn't destroyed? Or do you remember Goku's death and that whole father-son Kamehameha thing that Gohan did and the narrative of Gohan coming into his own as a fighter? I already know. Motherfucker, that's the story. That <laughs> Again, like I said, you're marginalizing the threat. And then those are two different things. The threat of Cell, or what he threatened to do, is totally different from the character development that Gohan got. <laughs> it's like, that's, what the fuck? How the hell do you compare both things? That's, that's a totally different subject matter. Cell's threat was 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 not as important as Gohan's character development. Oh, the villain's <laughs> the villain's overall scheme, his clever little scheme wasn't as big of a deal as seeing the inevitable growth and expansion of Goku's kid who we showcased as this powerhouse throughout the entire fucking series. No, of course it isn't <laughs> because that's not what the series was. But again, I state 
what Sal truly wished to accomplish, he accomplished. That's, that, see, again, you're marginalizing the threat he presented. You're not actually, oh my goodness, uh, like you, you, you're doing a, a weird comparison. It was like, which one stuck out more to you? Um, you know, is it Goku's um, blonde spiky hair or was it Yamcha's black hair? Like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> like, which one had a bigger impact on you when you saw Yamcha get, yeah, this is a better one. When you saw Yamcha get his hair cut before the Android saga or when Goku had his hair changed into gold after he saw Krillin die and then he finally unleashed the legend that was the Super Saiyan. It's like, well, those are two totally different fucking things. <laughs> it's like they involve hair. Sure, but those are two totally different fucking things that have different types of impact um, moments. And it's like, we've always seen Yamcha have different hair, so him cutting his hair isn't that big of a deal. <laughs> but Goku's turning gold was because of the situation and the the glory of Super Saiyan. You, you're being fucking weird <laughs> saying this. It just, oh my goodness. Oh man, that's so stupid. <laughs> like, like, oh, Rich, did it have big of an impact because Cell wanted to blow it? Like, no, because it, it wasn't about the threat that Cell possessed. Cell was, <laughs> like, it was about Cell. Cell was the problem. What Cell did to accomplish what he accomplished was the problem. I'll take it this Gohan's character development stuck out to me for sure. But you know what else stuck out to me? Again, like I said before, Cell was a motherfucking serial killer. He damn near ate people from the future. He damn near ate everybody in the fucking future. Then he went back in time. All of this under the guise of becoming perfect. He was willing to do anything and everything to be perfect. He literally gave up the energy that he amassed in the future in order to, um, be able to fit within the time machine so he can go back in time in the past to try to amass that um, power again all over again that so he was capable um, so he could be capable of absorbing the androids before they got destroyed that is the length that this man went through in order to get his to reach his perfection his drive his focus his psychosis towards that aspect to where he didn't even mind killing as many, like, to, he didn't even care about the idea of killing people. He felt that it was a blessing to them because they became just stepping stones for him to reach his perfection. But that's, that's the methodical nature of Cell. That's something, I, like, he's my favorite villain was in Dragon Ball Z, but that's what I loved about Cell. But that element was just a strong point with his character as Gohan finally realizing his true potential in his fight when he fought Cell. Those were the things that were clashing. A being who believed that he was perfect going up against a being that I know is capable of doing great and amazing things and is finally showcasing it. Not the fact that none of these things mattered at the fact that Cell wanted to destroy the planet. It wasn't the threat. <laughs> you asshole because <laughs> that wasn't the fucking problem I mean, that's not that was never that's not what <laughs> that wasn't even put on the menu until fucking cell decided to announce that yeah, after the cell games i'll destroy the earth if nobody can beat me it was so nonchalantly thrown in front of you because there was such a nothing burger of a moment for cell that's that's how you were supposed to feel about that. We saw, like you, even in the anime, you have multiple scenes of people trying to run and go different places, but it's like, where the fuck can you go? He's going to blow up the whole planet. And it just, it did not matter. 
because what Cell wanted was a fight <laughs> to the point where he made a goddamn tournament. He gave everyone nine days to train for it so he can so he can get his inevitable grand fight to prove that he was perfect. <laughs> that was what oh my goodness. I'm just I'm just upset with the idea that you're just you're marginalizing the threat he possessed with the character development that the show had. You just those are two different elements that you're combining together. It just is fucking weird. Because again, the world was at threat when Demon King Piccolo took over. The world was at a threat when Emperor Pilaf tried to take over. The world was at a threat when the Red Ribbon Army was going around trying to take over. These things were threats. They were problems that the heroes had to face and they inevitably defeated. But can you sit there and say that if it wasn't for, like, do you remember the Red Ribbon Army trying to take over the world as such a big problem? And it's like, well, what happened with that concept? It turns out that Commander Red just actually wanted to get taller. A joke of a concept to even use the Dragon Balls to grant a wish for. He wanted to get taller. And then the Red Ribbon Army was capable of almost taking over the world. But a remnant from the Red Ribbon Army made Cell which inevitably cascaded and uh, snowballed down to this wonderful story that we got with um, Gohan and the character development that we had with all of these characters and then the inevitable um, um, heartfelt sacrifice with Goku. It built off of the heels of this taking of this world-dominating army <laughs> that was just around within this world. Didn't... Does that change anything? No, because that's not what that's what the story was. That's what it was about. That's what these characters did. Like, fuck. Oh, my God, I'm going to press play now. Do you remember that the world wasn't destroyed? Or do you remember Goku's death and that whole father-son Kamehameha thing that Gohan did and the narrative of Gohan coming into his own as a fighter? I already know the answer because the Gohan moment is so memorable that it's been remade in the movies and video games over and over and over again. Which is why the idea that stakes need to always be bigger. And so is the storyline of defeating Cell within the movies and the video games over and over and over again. How the fuck? Again, you're marginalizing one concept in order to sit there and heighten up other so you can just essentially have this moment of you feeling gratification within your little video essay or whatnot. But no, goddammit, the, the fact that Cell is a villain that you fight within the story, the fact that Gohan is capable of doing all these things, but you do not see that happen in other moments within the series, aside from fighting Cell, is the memorable thing. Like, he was a threat. He was a problem. If it wasn't for him, we would not have gotten those things with Gohan. So he is just as important to that part of Gohan's history as Gohan himself. How do you fucking miss that? <laughs> Shit. It's like, I get he's trying to talk about Shonen, but again, again, whatever he's going to get into for Shonen, it's just... <laughs> I love Dragon Ball Z, man. I just, I love it. So, when people get shit so wrong when trying to take away or nick at it, because <laughs> it's like you're just so wrong in your assessment of it, it's like, fuck. There <laughs> is a fallacy. People don't care about that. They care about the characters. As long as it's personal to the characters and the audience is interested in it, that's all that matters. You can do the whole, we have to save the world story, but it needs to always be tied to something personal. And if the story continues, there's nothing wrong with shrinking the story down and letting the next threat be something technically less important. Um, no. Uh, giant 
giant fucking no. Again, personal preference. He's going by a personal preference. Uh, again, because you're like it's, it's ridiculous how much you're kind of you're splitting hairs here. Uh, the story, the characters, all the things that they're a part of, and all the things that we're seeing, and all the things that they're involved with, they are important. Yes because that's the motherfucking story. These are the motherfucking characters involved in the motherfucking story. So their role within the story, their importance, these characters' greatest assets are themselves within what we have going on. And it doesn't demean or change because of the threat that we're presented. It doesn't mean that we need to scale down everything because we're focusing more on the characters more than anything else. We're dealing with characters who generally get stronger every time they deal with an overwhelming threat. You literally have Goku and Vegeta laugh at the concept of fighting Cell when the seven year pass, when the seven years pass, when Goku's allowed to come back um, to fight in a world martial arts tournament. They, they deal with Deborah, who's literally like equal to Cell strength. And then they wonder why Gohan is struggling with him when he was capable of just whooping Cell's ass back when he was younger. But because of his lack of training, his lack of focus on trying to get stronger or anything like that, because that's not who his character was, he generally got weaker. He got incredibly weaker. But Goku and Vegeta were stronger. They were way stronger. Um, Vegeta at that point in time wasn't even a Super Saiyan 2, but was more than capable of defeating Cell. So that obviously means that these characters, their focus, their overall goals, and their major concepts revolve around a different world um, than what you essentially would want. Yes, you would you want them to scale things back, but they can't. That would require them to be weaker. That would require them to essentially waste time on fighting weaker people. That would make the story itself and the progression of the character's wants, which is to fight stronger opponents, obsolete. This story is built around a core theme and a core subject, and that is fighting and getting stronger. And if you take that element away, then the core of the story is fucking gone. It's, it's out of there. It doesn't make any sense to demand or to want something from a series that is systematically just against what you want. You see what I'm saying? You, you would like for them to have done something like that, but that's not what the series was about. I, I keep saying this, but it's like I'm trying to hit home with that aspect. You wanted this. But what you got was that, and you just can't accept that that can't be this. But it's like, that can never be this. You, can, you follow me? <laughs> that is that. That's what it is. That's all that it can be, because that is, it, it wants to be that. It, it is that. It is a story about characters who fight and get stronger, constantly fighting and getting stronger by fighting stronger opponents. And then them subsequently getting stronger. The power scaling has to increase because the characters demand that it increase. These characters that are such a focal point of the story are pushing the story to increase the threat of the element that they're going up against because they themselves are increasing their threat 
to the enemy that they eventually will have to fight. It's a con a perfect fucking example is Boo. When Boo was introduced, he is introduced as a being that could be possibly awakened. And upon Boo actually being showcased, you get the Supreme Kai. The Supreme Kais are weaker in every value of the word strength towards Goku and the rest of them. But they are the supreme beings that exist. They are the alpha gods. And Super isn't real, by the way. So just the Supreme Kai is the top fucking dog when it comes to characters. But we have been introduced to this concept before with King Kai, who literally tells Goku upon meeting him that I can train you to fight the Saiyans that are coming. But if you want to say, um, but if we're talking about strength, the Saiyans that are heading to Earth are a lot stronger than myself. That spoke volumes for what the fuck was going on within Dragon Ball Z. Because King Kai's thing was that he was a trainer. He was a fantastic trainer. Hell, King Kai even knew how to do instant transmission. But the Supreme Kai comes and then he looks at the Saiyans as if they're nothing because he is literally a fucking god. But the strength that Goku and the rest of them amassed was something that King Kai couldn't even possibly, f I mean, Supreme Kai couldn't even fathom to the point where Gohan turned Super Saiyan 2 and half of that, and when they drained him of that energy, it just, that filled up Boo's um, little energy pod by fucking half. And it was like, it was going to take them millennia to gather up the energy in order to bring him back to life or millennia like some some uh, a whole bunch of years <laughs> to gather up the energy necessary to bring Boo back to life. And this was something that Supreme Kai just, when he figured out that Boo was on Earth, now was the time to stop him. And he was just trying to look for clues in order to figure out exactly where the fuck this Majin shit is at. So, even, even with that being the case, it did not diminish or it did not take away what the hell was going on within the characters. The characters had a moment in which they were perfectly capable of stopping Bobbity from making Boo come out. This overall overwhelming being that they were told was evil without a shadow of a doubt. But they felt that it was far more apparent for them to let go of the fact that Vegeta really wanted to fight Goku and Goku didn't give a fuck. Hell, you even find out later that Goku was capable of wiping the floor with Vegeta instantly, but he just didn't. Because the series is built around the concept of fighting. That's that's what they do. That's how they progress it. That's how they've done it. The idea of Goku understanding Vegeta's feelings and him willing to let go of everything to have his fair fight or his rematch against Goku again spoke volumes for Goku's character as he was willing to not just immediately wipe the floor with uh, Vegeta because he was overall a better fighter who wanted more out of his fights than Vegeta did. Or he trained harder and better than Vegeta ever um, ever actually could. So, it there is nothing but character within Dragon Ball Z. But again, you're marginalizing the overall concept or everything that's going on within Dragon Ball Z because your narrative is that it didn't do it this way. So that means it was bad. Um, and you can argue that, no, like, you don't mean it that way, or, like, you're not trying to say that, but it's like, that's, that's exactly how it's fucking coming across, because you're generally just 
spouting out the fact that they didn't sit there and lessen the threat or they didn't sit there and um, hone in a little bit on exactly what the fuck was going on. So because of that, it did bad as a story because the story didn't do this with characters or it didn't do this with a threat or it didn't make you think about that or it didn't make you think about this or it didn't focus on this character over that character or nothing like that. That generally goes against the narrative of... Uh, um, that generally goes against uh, the narrative in this story that escalation has a problem when it didn't within that story. Escalation was everything for that story. So how could it possibly be a problem if it's built around escalation and then that's what it's delivering? How is that a problem? Did it do it in a bad way? Did you not understand what was going on when it was going on? Did you not care? about the characters or the villains that they fought when everything was going on. No, you had a problem with the overall aesthetic of what the villain essentially was capable of doing or the overall threat that they presented um, within the story. But again, you were marginalizing that threat to fit the need at the time at, um, you know, essentially what their threat generally represented rather than what they brought to the table or what all they were bringing to the table and it was like oh they just wanted to blow up the planet and it was like well if you think about it if you just say it like that then sure yeah but much like the good guy characters there's far more to this bad guy character as well which is why they're interesting and beloved as well you have any idea how many fucking people love frieza like just so many people love frieza <laughs> Frieza's a genocidal maniac that wished to be immortal so he could just go around ruling and killing for, forever. People love him. <laughs> they just generally love him. The threat he possessed was that he wanted to be immortal. But again, if I just spout that bullshit, then you sit there and go, do you remember the fact that Frieza's wish was to be immortal? No, but do you remember what Frieza did as a person, the man wiped out all of the Saiyans because of the threat that they possibly possessed in defeating him, if there ever could be a threat of them defeating him. The man used Vegeta like a fucking pet for years, mocking him and making him do whatever he wanted under his whim because he thought it was funny. The guy wiped out and killed all the Namekians who were these peaceful people who only drink water. They don't even eat normal food. They just drink water. And he was going around mercilessly killing all of them just because. <laughs> but it's like that character and what he did and all that he surmised was what put him in the analogs of history within anime villains and whatnot. So same thing for Cell and the same thing for Majin Buu. It, it just, it baffles me that you essentially are just trying to nick away at the fact that this series did exactly what this series set out to fucking do it showed people fighting it showed a character get stronger and therefore had to fight stronger people none of it was done in a negative way none of it was done in a bad way i can argue this shit against something like one piece where there's literally arcs and moments within one piece where i'm just fucking fed up with the story and it's like what, what the hell is this bullshit but I, I enjoy One Piece, but there are moments that just make me go, oh, fuck this. And generally in Dragon Ball Z, the only time I feel that way is within the fillers. And those aren't real. <laughs> those are made up segments of the story to just fill in space and time at the point in time when the series came out. 
cute. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm gonna just click play. Yeah, oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, he's showing images of Hunter x Hunter. Um, warning. I am going to only refer to this story as Hunter x Hunter. I don't, I've never spoken about this before, but I generally do not give a fuck about this series. I dislike this series so much that I constantly call, I constantly call it Hunter x Hunter because there's a giant fucking X in the middle of the name. I do not care that the creator calls it Hunter Hunter. I do not care that the fan base calls it Hunter Hunter. I don't care when people refer to it as Hunter Hunter. I personally only say Hunter x Hunter. Even in unwelcome situations when people are talking about this anime, I call it Hunter x Hunter. When I'm fucking corrected, I call it Hunter x Hunter. I dislike this series. <laughs> the name pisses me off. So let's get into why whatever he's about to say about this horrible copycat piece of shit anime, manga or whatever that you wish to refer to is just overwhelmingly bad. This is a terrible series. It is just terrible. My God. <laughs> One series that knows how to do this is Hunter Hunter by Yoshihiro Tsugashi. It, it has an X in it, but apparently you're not supposed to pronounce the X. I think that's dumb, but that... See? And yet he still said Hunter Hunter. Fuck that. Hunter X Hunter. I think it's Hunter X Hunter. Is this X? You're not supposed to pronounce... There's an X right there. This isn't... You're not changing up language <laughs> to fit your fucking man with your sketchy ass drawing manga non hi the shit is still on hiatus by the time i made this this video is four years <laughs> it's like from four years ago and the manga is still on fucking hiatus like jesus christ Kid, man <laughs> that's apparently how it works so whatever I, I do I do gotta say the creator of Hunter X Hunter is the same guy who made um, Yu Yu Hakusho, which is a series I fucking got into anime watching. You know Yu Yu Hakusho was one of the original OGs of um, Toonami and whatnot. But one of the coolest things ever, which is just a slight little nugget of information, um, is that the creator of Hunter X Hunter and Yu Yu Hakusho is married to the creator of fucking um, Sailor Moon, <laughs> and that is just. Anytime it's brought up, it brings a smile to my face because that's just fucking awesome. That's just, that's so awesome. Oh my god, is it Sailor Moon or um? Oh my god, is I believe it's Sailor Moon. Yeah, Sailor Moon. It should be, but that's just dope. <laughs> like I just I love that. I love that. It, no matter what, that is something that's like, man, that's cool. <laughs> like that's just cool. And I believe like sometimes she like draws characters for him, and like you see it in like back and forth within their manga and whatnot. And it's, it's, it's adorable. It's just fucking adorable. <laughs> Hunter Hunter had a huge arc known as the Chimera Ant Arc. Alright, uh, full disclosure. Chimera Ant Arc is, uh, one of the stupidest fucking things ever. Um, especially considering, let's, let's dial it fucking back, that the main antagonist in the Chimera Ant Arc is Cell from Dragon Ball Z. Everything about him is a copy of Cell from Dragon Ball Z. And it is just retarded. He 
even to the point where all he wants is a challenge because he's just amazing at everything. So he plays different games against people. And it's not until he just can't beat this girl that's blind, where it's like she just can't be beat, but she's blind. And it's like, oh, man, I just got to keep playing with her. But his main thing is that if he ever beats her, he's going to fucking kill her. Really stupid. <laughs> so stupid. But essentially, yeah, he's so perfect at everything that he can never lose. So he doesn't have to really try at anything. He has a tail with an injection tip at the end of it. He's in the, he's made up of different cells of different people and DNA fragments of different strong people and whatnot. And then he just comes out the gate immediately powerful and what so fucking disgusting. <laughs> just like the plagiarism is horrible. Oh my god. Of the entire world is at stake. Longtime supporting characters die, actual atomic bombs go off, and it's known that if the main characters fail to stop the villains, then the world may very well be over for humans. Then, when that arc concludes, we get a much smaller scale story about one of the major characters trying to heal his friend in the aftermath of the Chimera Ant arc. And some fans love that arc way more than the previous arc, feeling the Chimera Ant story was just too bloated, not personal enough. But, you know, Hunter x Hunter is kind of a weird deconstructionist take on shonen anime. It is to shonen anime what Game of Thrones is to fantasy novels. It intentionally plays with the conventions of the genre and audience's expectations, challenging the norms in order to create something new. So let's... Okay, um... First of all, he's uh, completely wrong about the Game of Thrones things. Game of Thrones is essentially the opposite of fucking Lord of the Rings. Um, generally, that is how George R. R. Martin went about doing that. He loved Lord of the Rings so much that he was like, he wanted to make a series that essentially was just the fucking opposite of it. And it was incredibly powerful and impactful in its deliverance of doing that. That's, that's generally the main, the core element of um, Game of Thrones is that it just functions that way. It's the opposite of, of Lord of the Rings. Um, but Hunter x Hunter, is not a deconstruction of the shonen anime genre. In fact, if anything, it caters on stealing from way too many fucking elements of other prominent and famous known shonen at the time from when its inception. Um, everything is fucking stolen. Like, it, it's not... It's not a different conventional way of looking at shonen. It is just taking stolen elements and then implementing it behind and implementing it behind a main character who essentially just never gives up. Period. So you introduce or create random situations or events or anything like that, and then you just have a main character who just tells himself, no matter what, I'm never going to give up. I'm going to be a part of this, and you can't stop me even if you want to because I never give up. Period. That is it. Now, why he would be incredibly wrong in the aspect of essentially gauging this connected to Dragon Ball Z is one clear-cut fucking standard that essentially he just happened to overlook. Hunter x Hunter is not about characters fighting to get stronger. That is not the core element of the show. That is never apparent within the show. That is never a problem within the show. That is never a concept that has ever been brought up, ever. Even the initial idea behind getting your hunter license doesn't even involve you getting fucking stronger. The I just all of it, everything that's presented into you, um, presented to you, does not fit the motif of Dragon Ball Z. So many elements are stolen and copied from Dragon Ball Z. Sure, definitely, but no. 
hell, Gon even makes his um, attack power based off of um, um, he um, is the it's the Jenkin fist, um, rock paper scissors, you know, classic. That's what they call it in Japanese and whatever. But that is literally an attack pattern setup that Goku uses within the beginning of Dragon Ball. I am not lying to you. That it was fucking taught to him by Gohan. He does it all the time. It's called rock, scissors, paper. You can do it with Kid Goku in um, one of the fucking Budokai games. I want to say Budokai 3. I believe Budokai 3. It's it's a known move that Goku can do. And then Gon uses it as his major source of power within the rest of the fucking series. God, I hate Hunter x Hunter. But Hunter x Hunter is built around and based upon random situations and events that just happen vicariously throughout the entire series the characters themselves don't even get involved in anything unless it's apparent that they need to get involved into something hell gong and killa are so out of place within the chimera ant arc it's fucking ridiculous and then the chimera ant arc itself ends in an unceremoniously dumb way hell a nuclear bomb goes off that has a sub that has a poison added to it that was let off that it didn't even need to be let off when an entire country was getting overrun by ants eating and killing people, but essentially the hunters themselves weren't allowed to go into unless they broke the law to get into, and they did, but even though that they did break the law, it didn't really fucking matter because they cleaned up everything anyway, but why would you bring Gong and Killa in this mission that essentially they're not supposed to be a part of, they're too weak to even handle, and it subsequently just kind of hurried up and rushed every fucking thing. He's glossing over the fact that Gong was able to finish or progress the story the way that he did because the motherfucker did a transformation, an impossible transformation, not something that was built up or actually hinted upon throughout the entire series through well fucking writing. No, 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 no. The main character was just so angry that he made himself become his future self in order to fight a character because he's not strong to fight them currently. That's fucking retarded. And then you have your next arc just involve the fact that the backlash from doing something like that made this motherfucker just up on death's door. So, <laughs> it's just so incredibly stupid. The Everything about it is bad and is wrong. It didn't do anything clever. It doesn't have unconventional ways of tackling the shonen anime series. And if a damn show shouldn't be looked upon as if it's the Game of Thrones to um to fantasy novels as is like um as it's the uh yeah as Hunter Hunter um Hunter X Hunter is to fucking shonen. By all means no. It follows the same motifs, the same ideals, and the same idiotic concepts as every other shonen. It does everything the exact same way. It's not unconventional at all. If anything, they just have a lot of edgy moments because they have characters that are totally okay with killing. A known faux pas within shonen. That doesn't make you unconventional. That just makes you edgy. And then by today's standards, when you have something like Jujutsu Kaisen or um, Chainsaw Man, which literally just revolve around murder, blood, and guts and shit like that, or of Attack on Titan, you really see that essentially Hunter x Hunter isn't unconventional at all. It's damn near the same as the rest of those. So... But those are also counted, and they handle Shonen exactly the fucking same. They're not different. It's not different. It's not unconventional. It's the same. It's exactly the same. 
but its story structure, its characters, and its constant reasoning behind everything is just so bloated and fucking stupid because it doesn't have any substance behind it. You have you have the main characters and situations that essentially they don't need to be in, but they put themselves in on purpose for no reason. And you sit there and tell me that this is a great story. I'm inclined to tell you that this is fucking stupid. In cre um, adding a power system, adding um, a, a energy-based system, or even having fights that essentially need this incredibly bloated and convoluted concept in order to be explained to the viewer, that then later on is just kind of shoved to the wayside and you're just supposed to believe that, eh, no, it all totally makes sense. I can tell you that my power run runs around this um, power scaling or system or whatnot, but realistically, whatever that power is that I created is what the problem is. It doesn't matter what system it's created or next to, because that doesn't do any fucking thing. It just is a basis underlying for what my power is capable of doing, but you don't need to know that information in order for you to defeat somebody. It's just stupid god damn it hell they even go about the fact that you have to put energy into your eyes in order for you to see other people's powers but that is a thing that you cannot currently do all the time while your power is activated so then how the fuck does the series actually have people do that oh did you just forget that that was a rule that you set up uh, fuck you <laughs> Convoluted, ridiculous mess of a story, stupid-ass concept of characters, a horrible power system, and an incredibly arduous, long explanation of just the most inconsequential in pieces of information I have ever fucking seen within an anime. It's a bloated mess of a concept of a story, and it is just disgusting. Remember during the Chimera Ant arc when they kept talking about that gang leader who essentially was shadow running the entire country? What the fuck happened to him? Oh yeah, he died and no one knows what happened to him. So why did it seem to just bring in so much information talking about the dude if it really didn't fucking matter whatever happened to him? I have no earthly idea, but it did and it was a waste of information. It was incredibly stupid and it was just dumb. That's all that Hunter x Hunter did was just have dumb things brought to your attention it was bloated and just all over the place remember the different battle system that they had when they went inside the video game did you really need to know the minutiae of the card game details since how they were just going to eventually get over it no because <laughs> they got over it so you just could have seen things play out like a fucking Yu-Gi-Oh game where everything was simplistic so why go through so so much arduous detail if you weren't really going to stick with this for a long period of time or get characters interested in exactly how the battle system itself went you kind of had like a few little things going on and then you immediately changed the other games that were played to in order to handle the card game as well I don't, I don't know maybe just like convoluted shit going on into your story i'm ranting about this because i fucking hate it god i fucking hate it i can't stand hunter x hunter <laughs> but again hunter x hunter is built around the weird it is built around the odd it is built around the stupidity it has that shit going for it as much as it contradicts and it has so many fucking plot holes and whatnot i cannot argue with the fact that what the story initially comes out the gate doing is being weird so when they do weird shit i can't argue with that whether or not it fits within the confines of a story by all means yeah i can call that shit out all day every day 
But Dragon Ball Z is a different beast entirely, as that anime does not have such a problem. That anime comes out the gate telling you this is about fighting. That anime comes out the gate telling you this is about characters getting stronger when they fight. That anime consistently showcases that characters fight, get stronger, they fight, get stronger. Rinse, repeat, Cash the motherfucking check. There is nothing wrong with Dragon Ball Z's overall development and story structure being the way that it is because that's how it's, it's the story is presented to the audience. It's not, it does not need to have a change in formula in order for it to be considered good. Consider having escalation be a problem should only, would only make sense if the escalation itself is a problem to the story. Much like Gong um, all of a sudden getting a power boost out of fucking nowhere because he decides to defy the laws of just anything. <laughs> oh my goodness. But, oh no. You can't have Gohan, you, you want to sit there and marginalize the fact that Cell wants to destroy the whole world. Oh, but when the Chimera Ants were trying to do... No, 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 no. But this is just because of the fact that what happens after the Chimera Ants was a downplay of everything that was going on. Well, maybe it's because of the fact that the characters that were in the Chimera Ant arc, the main characters, shouldn't have been in the Chimera Ant arc because they had no purpose for being in the Chimera Ant arc. Well, Gong was doing that because of Kite. Just because Gong wanted to do what he did for Kite should not have been a justification for these grown adults who were experienced hunters to allow this kid who barely had a concept of his power and for damn sure didn't deserve to be in this situation in the first place to come along in said situation in the first place rather than get another experienced hunter who would have done well fuck that fuck that <laughs> get out of here oh but when uh, i told him to think of me like the girl who did that to kite he kid almost killed me get the fuck out of here it's like oh i'm sorry i thought you were there i was about to kill you like that no 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 <laughs> you're an experienced hunter and this is a little kid why the hell would you Ooh, so stupid <laughs> so stupid you're telling me you never faced a threat like this kid ever before in your entire life never never came across something that bad Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. <laughs> I just I hate it so much. Oh my goodness. But no, Hunter x Hunter did that right. Dragon Ball Z did it wrong. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I understand. I totally understand. Not because you're just completely biased in how you understand and take in storytelling. I can't get mad at someone who sits there and go, Hunter x Hunter is their favorite anime of all time. If that's your favorite, that's your favorite. I can't argue with that. But what I can't argue with is the fact that you're just like, Do, are you aware of all the problems that exist within this series? Oh, yeah. Same thing as if would someone say something to me about Dragon Ball Z. Love Dragon Ball Z. It's not my favorite anime, but I understand and I recognize the fact that Dragon Ball Z is the greatest anime of all time. My favorite anime is Golden Boy, but Dragon Ball Z, nothing beats that in popularity or in worldwide acclaim. Nothing. Not even Neon Genesis Evangelion got that big. Dragon Ball Z is the... my god. <laughs> but it's not like it got there by luck. If you was to sit there and compare and contrast Hunter x Hunter next to Dragon Ball Z, by all means, Hunter x Hunter will fall short in the grand scheme of everything that's going on. Do you remember what the fuck the Chimera Ants' um, purpose was? Not really. They didn't. They weren't about nothing. They were just doing what they were doing because they were ants and they were supposed to take over. Did that matter within the grand scheme of everything? Not really. Because the king got swayed by a little blonde girl who was playing a game and she kept beating him in. So he wasn't as perfect as he thought he was. So what what exactly 
was their purpose? What was their point? The main characters didn't even really fight those guys in the first place. So then there was really no character development for anything that they had going on. Gon and Killa already cared about each other before that moment even happened. And by the time the Chimera Ant arc was over with, only thing that you got out of it between Gon and Killa is that Gon almost killed himself and Killa basically could have a lightning ability. That was it. That was all their progression ever did. So this whole character concept that you're bringing up was utterly pointless within the Chimera Ant arc because nothing of significance happened to the main characters who were actually important. Side characters getting killed off after they were immediately introduced in order to be in said arc, who the fuck cares? They're side characters that just shown up. They were there to die. They were born to die. That was it. Jesus Christ, get what the fuck? <laughs> you guys have no idea how much I hate Hunter. <laughs> but it's just saying that is beyond stupid. My God, is that stupid? Oh, I think I need another break. I need I need more drink. I'm running out. I'm getting low. Whew. Well, now that I calm down, <laughs> I guess it's time to get back into it. It intentionally plays with the conventions of the genre and audience's expectations, challenging the norms in order to create something new. So let's take a look at some more mainstream stories. Okay. Showing images of One Piece. Um... I won't deny I'm a One Piece fan. I am a One Piece fan, but I have to admit that I have my own problems with One Piece. Even among um, doing this episode, currently the Wano arc is going on within the anime and the manga. Um, and I'm going to do a, a episode of Fun with Flame talking about that. But I actually don't like the Wano arc. Um, I feel it's like one of the weakest within the series. Uh realistically but um i i just just some forewarning i know my shit when it comes to one piece so let's let's see how he uh structures this bad boy i recently finally experienced the story of one piece by ichiro oda and he escalates and de-escalates the stakes constantly but it's always made personal to the main characters and that makes almost every story feel like it matters more See, now, again, you, you, you're you seeing his personal preference being slide in here, right? You know, escalating and de-escalating the story doesn't mean anything. That doesn't change a story. Look how, look how big of a fucking deal Thanos was in the MCU. Sorry to go back to the MCU, but look how big of a fucking deal Thanos was within the MCU. What was Thanos' overall main goal you know what was he accomplished what was he trying to accomplish what was he trying to do um but what you saw happen to to en enable that overall goal and overall vision you've seen different movies of different uh, different moments have different uh value that equated to allowing thanos to do what he did it didn't change it, it, it's not it's not like it didn't change anything but it doesn't it didn't diminish the story overall simply because of the fact that things weren't um de-escalated or whatnot look at everything else within the mcu the current movies that are coming out and whatnot they're not on the same oh excuse me uh level as thanos's threat 
But there are elements that they're doing in order to sit there and try to justify that concept or to make a bigger threat. And then that's actually being taken as a negative aspect because it's not coming off with the same creativity or the wonder that the other one did with his fantastic characters and things like that. You just have way too many plot holes and uh, contradictions going around that's just making everything kind of fucked up. But <laughs> the overall escalation of everything that took place within the MCU to build upon Thanos's inevitable um, arrival didn't diminish the story. There was never any moment when I was like, oh my God, this just keeps getting more and more of a threat uh, leading up to Thanos. Like, I'm just, oh, I'm so bored with it. Like, no, motherfucker. <laughs> it, it, it's just, it's so weird that that's like his major problem is the fact that the story itself needed a moment to just die down the overall threat but that's again you're kind of missing the point of what those stories initially entail this is almost arguing about the fact is like man i was just really glad looking at one piece when they just stopped doing pirate shit but it's like it's built around pirate shit that's not that should never be a problem when looking at this, that's what this is about. This is about pirates. So whenever they deviate away from the pirate shit, having that be your highlight means that you're looking at the wrong fucking thing, dude. <laughs> so with, with One Piece saying like the escalation and de-escalation were perfectly done and whatnot, and it's like, yeah, dude, that's fine. But that was never apparent within the, um, I never looked at that in the series and was like, yo, that was something that desperately needed to happen while we finish this moment it needed to just die back it needed to dial it back in order for this to make any fucking sense or to be coherent of a story or to even matter to me at what the fuck was going on no it doesn't really fucking matter if the story is well structured well built the characters are likable entertaining and they're fun and it's fantastic then the story can do whatever the fuck it wants as long as it does it well whether it just constantly keeps any um up in the ante or if it starts to die it down over and over and over again over a long period of time it doesn't fucking matter it's just how well the story is able to progress and convey this information to the person that's watching it it doesn't need to sit there and be contrived and go well i'm escalating things too much i need to die it back down no if your story requires you to escalate shit to its inevitable conclusion escalate it until its inevitable conclusion that's not anything that's going to deter anyone from looking at it if it's a bad story then it's a bad story if people don't like it then people don't like it but if you want your shit to reach this height then it can it by all means should reach that height you should never feel compelled to sit there and go well you can't just have it rising constantly without any fall in action no you can do whatever the fuck you want it's your goddamn story so it's just to have this cookie cutter um, mindset towards this shit to where it was like well you know you can't really appreciate all this action unless you have these moments when the characters are allowed to sit down and really talk about their feelings get the fuck out of here <laughs> it's like that's, that's not real that's not a thing it doesn't have to be that way how how unconventional would it be for a martial art movie to just revolve around martial arts oh my god something the chinese have never fucking considered considering that most of their movies take what 30 fucking minutes before it actually even opens up with actual action and generally now they're so ridiculous of stories that they just have this overall convoluted thing that's based upon some ancient 
Chinese story with way too much dependent on wire work and things like that. And then you have a movie like Raid 2, which essentially blew the doors off of all martial art movies. And it had, what, like 12 fight scenes, which is unheard of, even by today's standards of martial art movies. It has over 12 fucking fight scenes. Each of them are fantastically choreographed. The story is simple as shit. It has been done before and it is not new or anything like that. But the characters, the fights, and uh, the overall concept is just so well put together. That it is a movie that I literally watch over and over again whenever I can. Like, I don't mean I'm just like every day I wake up like, oh, it's Raid 2 time. But I mean, like, I don't mind looking at Raid 2 whenever wherever but there are plenty of fucking martial art movies that i have that i'm like oh, get the fuck out of here i don't want to see this <laughs> take for example um the fame of bruce lee bruce lee did not do that many movies but his movies are so well done that people enjoy watching the motherfuckers over and over again because they're fantastic movies it doesn't matter the fact that it just keeps upping the ante when it gets to the fight or you keep upping the ante when it gets to the action and everything. No, that's what it's built around. I'm watching a martial art film. I do not need to see the threat of politics within a martial art film that is not based around the threat of politics. It, it's just, it's so, I keep make, giving these examples, but essentially I am annoyed with the fact that that he is Having this bar being set to where it needs to de-escalate things in order for you to appreciate the escalation. That's not true at all. That has never been true. I mean, even with the story structure of Dragon Ball Z, think of exactly how that story itself is based around or or essentially or essentially how that story itself is um, done. The threat of Frieza. And what Frieza was capable of doing is immediately presented to you when um, Krillin tells you what power he felt from Frieza. But how they handle the threat of Frieza and then the inevitable death of Frieza is so fantastically done. There is just nothing but a rise in action until they finally get to Frieza. And then when they do get to Frieza, there is a short small bursts of peace up until another calamity happens that requires the character's attention and whether or not they spend a bunch of years or whatever to prepare for said threat it doesn't matter because the story is built around these characters fighting much like the fact that once trunk shows up and tells everybody about what's going to happen in the future they have three years to prepare we do not see the three years that they spend preparing for the Andres to attack, we immediately get when the three years are up until they see the Andres, letting you know that that should be a solid reference as to exactly what the fuck you're dealing with in the series. This is going from point A to point B because it's supposed to. The series is built around this. You were told they prepared for the Andres to attack, they're gonna spend this time training, and then they train and now the Andres are attacking. Now they got to do something about it. <laughs> and all of this is just nothing but rise in action towards the inevitable conclusion with Cell. That's how it's structured. That's what it's about. That's why we're seeing this, because that's all that's important. If you're talking about something like One Piece, which has different moments and focal points and whatnot, it's about the journey. One Piece is literally a journey story. It is about the journey to its inevitable conclusion. It has a goalpost. There is when Luffy gets One Piece, it's all over. 
It's the same thing for Naruto with go um, with Naruto becoming Hokage. That's why a lot of people don't look at Baruto because the goalpost has already been met. Once you got to the end of it, that was really it for the fucking story. It doesn't matter what else you add to it. It's fucking over. I got to the goalpost. That was him becoming Hokage. And with One Piece, it's Luffy getting the One Piece. So once the journey is over with for this character that I care about, that's it. <laughs> that's all. I don't give a damn what else you do, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> so it's idiotic to sit there and hold these things on the same standard when they're just, just so different. Like they're just so different. There is like there are some elements within the series itself that are similar to others. One Piece has transformations. Naruto has transformations. Hunter x Hunter has transformations. But the con the core concept of what the series is about is so vastly different among each series. And it's like there's certain things where it's like there's grave similarities and shit like that. But it doesn't change that the co the core concept of what you got going on is so vastly different. And it just, it speaks volumes for what the story needs to be in order for it to be a very well-structured story or a very well-structured shonen at that. And it's like, again, so many misconceptions when people dealing with Dragon Ball Z and comparing it to other shonens when Dragon Ball Z was the front runner and essentially the rest of them are copying the front runner without understanding what the fuck it is that they're copying. All right. I hate you to Oda, and he escalates and de-escalates the stakes constantly, but it's always made personal to the main characters, and that makes almost every story feel like it matters more to the audience. And in this show's case, what I would say is that arc with the most grand scale thus far was also the most personal one for his main character, all about him trying and failing to save his older brother. Something very personal that changes the character's outlook from that point on. It's also easily considered to have many of the best moments of the entire series, according to fans. The second biggest arc, the Dressrosa arc, is nowhere near as popular, as far as I can tell. And in what seems to be a consistent pattern, it also happens to be an arc that's filled with a much larger cast of characters who have personal stakes in the story, but aren't as well known to the audience themselves. It's not a bad story, however. Even with the main characters sidelined a bit, Oda made sure to make it personal enough to keep people invested. Unfortunately, One Piece's contemporaries didn't handle their own stories quite as well. Now... Uh, just showing a fucking ad right now, <laughs> but, uh, now the thing, uh, about what he just said for, uh, One Piece, again, um, there's a lot of personal shit he got going on from like his perspective and point of view. Um, from what you can tell about the dress holes arc, I believe at that point in time, it wasn't really concluded or anything like that. So, um, uh, you know, now being where where I am or uh, where one piece is right now um yes the dress rosa arc was not that big of a deal uh I mean well I, I didn't really care for the arc itself I mean it was literally a copy of um the alabaster arc in my personal opinion it's the same issue that I have with Wano um it's just literally doing the exact same thing all over again uh but Going into essentially his overall assessment in terms of the stakes or that being a major factor that just needs to be apparent within the story at all points or at all times. No, why I'm I'm getting the feeling that essentially he's viewing these 
Eastern stories that have these elongated stories and concepts and character development arcs. Like they, these things are done differently than the Western uh, norm, uh, normal stories, concepts, and arcs and things like that. And because of that, there's always these huge uh, misconceptions that a lot of people have with the story structure. I believe like even the um, overall hero's journey that the Eastern storytelling is really based around is not the typical, well, the, the, not the hero's journey, but the story, uh, the uh, story structure diagram. What is it? The uh, rising action, falling action, climax type deal that we have in the West. It's actually different um, literature wise and story wise in the East, where it's actually a circle, where it's more, where again, it focuses more on the journey rather than the actual uh, overall destination. It's generally based off of the Journey to the West uh, story, which is one of the biggest influences within all Eastern literature. Literally, um, Dragon Ball Z is based off of the Journey to the West story. Goku is the Japanese version for, um, well, his name is Son Goku, which is the Japanese of um, uh, Su Wukong, who is the Monkey King. So that's why Goku's name means literally Monkey King. Um, uh, the power pole and shit like that, the um, Dragon Balls are essentially, there's these magical pearls that are in the Journey to the West story and things like that. But I digress. But the Journey to the West literally... It, if you were to explain the story to someone in a simplistic manner, it would be there is a demon known as the Monkey King who was sealed up. He was released by a priest who then went with him onto a journey and they picked up two, three other demons and they traveled the sutras from Asia to India to allow them to understand the Buddhist teachings. And afterwards, when they completed their journey, um, then uh, the the demons were taught and also the guardians of the priest who were holding the sutras and um, to protect him from other demons that might try to do him harm. And they complete their mission, they bring the sutras to India, and upon completing it, Buddha grants them all godlyhood and turns them all into Buddhas. And then the end, that's the end of the story. Sounds really simplistic. I know I'm really kind of botching it even on the summary, but the journey to the West story is long. It is incredibly arduous and it is so fucking <laughs> packed with so much shit <laughs> because that's what it revolves around. It is about the story. I mean, it is about the journey and the characters. That's what it's always about. Namaka is a huge fucking thing in the confines of Eastern writing. It, it is a big deal within Shonen. A, another common misconception is that that's a major thing thrown around within One Piece, but they actually don't say Namaka as much as you might think, nor do they use that as like a power... Um, system like a lot of other shonens do as well, where they essentially just, oh my god, my friends are in trouble, ah, power up. That never happens in One Piece, but people like to claim that it does, but it actually happens in other shonen. Weird. It's very weird that, that, that they do that. <laughs> it was like it has a bad reputation when 
it shouldn't in that regard. But, um, the, you know, it's like, I, I'm not going to argue that the, the arc when they tried to save Ace, the, uh, the pirate war arc, uh, versus the Dressrosa arc was like lesser in value or anything like that because there it is not really the case with me for one piece i mean yes i know i already said like yeah i'm gonna talk about wano being like one of the weakest arcs that they have but in one piece one of my favorite arcs which is a arc that doesn't really have as much stakes as the pirate war that they did was um impel down and it brought in a slew of characters that essentially were villains meeting with the main character and it actually lacked the prominent cast that is involved with luffy at that point um a lot of people in his crew they were all separated um the amazon lily arc is one of my favorites because i love the character bo hancock everything that involves bo hancock i love one of my favorite female anime characters of all time um but uh, there, again, it's a preference. Like I said, I have an issue with Wano. Wano has been greatly announced as possibly one of the best One Piece arcs that has happened within a long period of time. Even the anime switched up animation, which made people love and appreciate the Wano arc even far more. And then you have the whole cake arc, which essentially was uh, taken to new heights in terms of talking about and reevaluating a lot of different characters and introducing a lot of new characters and new problems within the One Piece world as well. But One Piece itself is generated and structured around having so many important elements just slushed around everywhere, you know, and it's like him talking about the characters and, you know, what was going on. It's like, well, when you consider the pirate war arc in conjunction to Dressrosa and Dressrosa, they introduced new characters in the pirate war arc. They were, you were dealing with older characters who have, you have, you have seen throughout the entire series being brought over and showcased in a brand new light up until a moment where essentially it was a free-for-all for a bunch of characters to die. There was far more going on. There was far more uh, of an importance and a build-up to the Pirate War arc rather than what happened What happened in Dressrosa. Dressrosa was just another moment of them vis visiting another island. But the Pirate War was something that has been built up since the Amazon Lily arc, the Impel Down arc, and then eventually the Pirate War arc, which all started from the uh, Archipelago arc when Luffy initially got separated from his crew in the first place, which also was built upon upon Ace's inevitable um, fight and clash with Blackbeard when that first happened. So different elements built up to what happened to the Pirate War arc, but Dressrosa just... They kind of just went there, you know? <laughs> so, I don't agree with holding it to that standard. Um, I do, you know, it's like, I'm not going to argue the fact that it's like, hey, if you, one's weaker than the other, but yes, but look at why one is weaker than the other. One Piece itself has constantly had a notion of 
building up shit. I mean, even the Dressrosa arc built up to the idea and the concept of um, Mingo. Uh, you had the uh, Punk Hazard arc. You had um, the inclusion of different people who worked under Mingo poss- um, coming up and talking to them before they went to Dressrosa. This, this is a common theme within One Piece. This is how its stories have been structured for a long fucking period of time. I mean, look at how when initially when they first come to the Grand Line is the start off to the inevitable Alabasta conclusion, where the first people that they meet is Vivi working undercover for Baroque Works. And that leads all the way up to them going into Alabaster. They go through so much shit before they get to Alabaster. My God. But <laughs> that's how they structure their stories. So it's not really a matter of... For me personally, the arcs themselves don't really have a... Uh, Ooh, this one was far more impactful because of this, or this one's far more impactful because of that. No, because they have a slow build and grind for everything within all of One Piece. You have multiple moments when um, they talked about Wano when they went to... Um, Thriller Bark, you know, and it was like they brought up Wano and Thriller Bark, and that was all the way before they even came to the fucking New World. So, it's just, that has never been something that I hold against One Piece. What I do hold against One Piece is essentially its uh, copycatic nature, its constant contradictions that happen within the story, multiple times where they just... For a cheap joke, they kind of do things that are like really um, contra- uh, contradictions to how the story itself progresses and whatnot. Just weird little shit happens within One Piece. It's kind of like, mm. <laughs> but writing wise, it is far stronger than so much other shonen out there um, because it has had such a tight, close to the chest type of um, writing. But, yeah, it, I'm not really, not really arguing against the point that he made, but I am, what I am doing is essentially defending the fact that there's just, there's way too much going on within One Piece, and it's way too, it's way too, uh, well-structured that, that essentially these problems arc wise are well, the problems that he identified, but within those two arcs are things that you can just, that are just like really kind of, well, this arc is better. Well, this arc seems like it was better than this arc uh, than this arc is then compared to that one. It's like, there's a hell of a lot more going on because that's how one piece was built. If, if that makes any sense, but let me just keep going. Okay. Fuck. Uh, he brought out the granddaddy of all uh, bitchery, which is uh, Naruto. I do not like Naruto. <gasps> Say it isn't so, Daniel. Say it isn't so. I will admit, I watched Naruto, read it. I watched and read Naruto. Um, and by the time Naruto got to the end, I was at a point of just going, I just want this shit to finish. Because it was a ridiculous mess that just got worse as time went on. And then upon 
further thinking back to Naruto, there's just so many contradictions and so many fucking problems within this series that it's just hard to ignore. But let's see what he has to say about Naruto. If there's if it's praise, then I'm gonna have an issue. I'm gonna have a big time fucking issue. Naruto did its best to keep the stakes personal at the heart of it, and managed to do so adequately, even up to the very end in many cases. The first major arc was small by nature and was more about Team Seven's personal growth as ninja than anything else. The tuning exams arc grew in scale, but was filled with smaller, more personal stories about each of the kids. See, and again, it's like, it's hard to sit here and listen to this because it's like, he just generally has an issue with scaling. Like, I don't, like, that... It's weird, you know? It was like, oh, like, because this was such a, a big fucking problem, it's not that important to me because I just, uh, I didn't care. But when it was small, oh, I kind of cared more. But it's like, it, that's you, dude. That's you. That's your significance. This is this is the equivalent of essentially um, criticizing a director who doesn't do action movies, <laughs> you know? And it's like, he doesn't do action movies, but... I would really like to see him tackle an action movie. I don't do action movies. Mm, but wouldn't it be interesting if you tried? I don't do action movies, you know? It's like, so, it's like, what? God damn it. It's just so weird that it's like, you you don't understand the fact that it's, it's odd of you to want something out of something that is not giving it to you. You just, you want different. <laughs> you want it to be different than what it is. But you're not criticizing the actual problems or the constant cliches or the major problems that pop up within Shonen or the huge similarities that pop up within these shows that are generally copying other things that would definitely set back any type of story structure to be progressive or different or more adventurous and whatnot. That's not what you're doing. It's just you're poking and talking about the fact that scaling happens like oh this was a big event but this wasn't as big of it but this was really big but this wasn't that big it doesn't fucking matter it really doesn't fucking matter because it doesn't do anything to the overall structure of a shonen or the anime in general so god damn it it's just so weird that he keeps doing this it's a captain consistently interesting as it went along but the most memorable part of this entire arc was the moment Rock Lee fights Gara because you understand Rock Lee's personal struggles and you're rooting for him to do well. Based on this one moment, Rock Lee is an extremely popular character in Naruto, and uh, all he had was that, basically. He didn't really do anything else for the entire series, but he still remained very popular. Based See, like him mentioning that, um, that's actually a glaring problem within all of Naruto, is that they introduce and throw away characters by the handful. Again, like he said, well, Rock Lee doing what he did with Gara. Yes, that's very true. He really didn't do anything else up until the point where him fighting Kimimaro. And then even then he was saved by Gara. And then after that, Rock Lee does nothing. He fought a clones of him. He fought a clone of himself. And then he just witnesses Guy do the eight gates at the end of the series. That's it. That's all Rock Lee did. That's all he accomplished. But like, why don't you talk about the problem of the fact that essentially Rock Lee represented um, the concept of hard work beating out overall genius, that was the major theme within Naruto. Something that essentially Naruto casted away in order to encumber the general concept that they were stealing from Dragon Ball Z, which was that these characters are just special from birth or the get-go, where like they just keep having these 
ultimate things added on to them in order to make them far more powerful and more um and able to keep up with the villains that they were capable that they were fighting at the time without actually showing some general progression that actually mattered no 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 no. like oh like things that essentially would contradict other things uh throughout the story naruto having a family that would love him and was beloved by the entire village but upon their death when they tried to save naruto then it was okay for the entire village to just treat him like shit because that's totally what you would do when that happened well the naruto fox kill all these things but the jinshiriki are known you know what that is they they you know that that's a separate issue entirely you know that the nine-tailed fox doesn't control the actions of this child regardless of him being sealed up inside of him or not you were friends with his fucking mother when she was in jinchuriki so why the hate now stupid why not talk about that why not talk about the fact that sasuke literally does not train yet he's able to leap huge fucking bounds in order for him to be able to keep up with everything else going on simply because of the fact that he's able to switch out his eyes how was that a justification of power or anything like that or the fact that literally the only character in this, in this entire series that represents hard work is rock lee and then immediately they get rid of him <laughs> and they do everything they can to get rid of him naruto doesn't even represent rom uh, hard work the motherfucker is a reincarnation of a god and as well as he has an unlimited source of chakra feeding him energy constantly he never really truly had to study or learn ninja the correct way he could just forcibly do the shit anytime he wants to without any backlash why are these not the problems because this is the same issue that hunter x hunter had in terms of character when you're trying to convey one thing but doing the exact opposite and then you sit there and tell your audience oh no i'm totally cool as a good writer just fucking idiotic but no, you're going to talk about the scaling of the different episodes and the threats they represent. That doesn't fucking matter, dude. <laughs> Based on this one moment, Rock Lee is an extremely popular character in Naruto. And uh, all he had was that, basically. He didn't really do anything else for the entire series, but he still remained very popular based on the strength of one moment that people were personally invested in. The series continues on from there, making sure every story is personally important to its main cast and therefore the audience along the way. However... The scale kept getting bigger, and the cast kept growing, and eventually we ended up with a giant ninja war in order to save the world that has many very good moments, but is filled with so many side stories and extraneous characters that it begins to all run together, and the stakes get lost in the middle of all this, and eventually... What the fuck is he talking about? What stakes get lost? They're all fighting for one normal... They're, they're all... Oh my god, I'm def you're making me defend Naruto. You have any idea how insulting that is to me? Jesus Christ, this is such a stupid-ass take. This is stupid. Let me explain to you why this is stupid. It's because Naruto led up to the Great Ninja War. So having all of these small moments encumber the Great Ninja War was totally necessary because that's what it was leading up to. What they did within those moments, yeah, by all means, they were stupid. You can argue about that all the all day long. But that doesn't change the fact that the story itself progressed into the Great Ninja War. It didn't diminish anything in the story because there was this giant war where the world was online. That's why everyone was together. It's because there was this giant war where the world was online. That's what the story got to. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's what you were given. So then you work from there. 
the issues of the characters and all of this shit going on and whatnot, well, you just yourself admitted to the fact that they had a character that they didn't do anything with as the series progressed. Well, why don't you argue with the fact that this is a common thing within Shonen, where they sit there and they make their cast way too big and convoluted for it to actually for them to actually matter within the forefront of other characters, because the main cast will always be the main cast, but the side characters do shit that just doesn't fucking matter. You see this shit all the time in, like, fucking Yu-Gi-Oh!, where there's just so many different people dueling, you sit there and start to wonder, who the fuck cares? Because no matter what, Yugi's gonna win this tournament. He has to win this tournament. He's the king of fucking games. Do you see what I'm saying? (laughs) It doesn't really fucking matter how many people you add to the cast if the only person that I'm rooting for is the only person that's not on screen. I don't really care. Why are you talking about that being the problem? That they don't actually have you invested in any of these characters. They just plop them into the story in order to sit there and flesh out and stretch out a bunch of shit. Did you know Itachi had a made-up friend in the anime that's not even in the fucking manga? Like, that is something that generally you would look at and go, well, that's a problem with that being included into the story when it wasn't asked for or anything like that, but otherwise was just ignored outright within the manga because it didn't hold any importance whatsoever. Wouldn't that mean that there's a clear distinction between the anime and the manga? Another common shonen problem? Whereas, like, because the studios demand more episodes and more screen time and more shit to be done, or they actually catch up to the anime, they include these ridiculous fillers that stretch out shit and add convoluted reasoning behind the rest of the anime that essentially follows throughout the anime, but the manga is none the wiser. Why aren't you talking about that shit? Those are shonen anime problems. (laughs) But this shit, you talking about the escalation, that is not the only, that is not a problem. That can be a problem within different shows and how their execution towards it, but it's not that variant of a problem. And by all means, it's not the only fucking problem that happens within Shonen Anime. And I know your title is the biggest problem, but this shit is not the biggest problem. This, this is a variant of your personal preference when dealing with the storytelling elements presented to you within different shonen. Just because that they have this giant, overwhelming, world-ending situation going on, for some reason, you don't care for that shit. But that does not mean that the story itself is bad or in the wrong for doing so. You personally just don't fucking like that. This is so goddamn stupid. <laughs> this is so goddamn stupid. The ending of the Great Ninja War or what they did with the Great Ninja War is by in all standards and factors fucking stupid. What they were doing and what Naruto had progressed into and what they were trying to accomplish was for for, for goddamn ridiculous. <laughs> this is for goddamn ridiculous. <laughs> no, this is for goddamn ridiculous. And it by all means, and by all standards. Yes, it was horrible. It made the story ridiculous. It was convoluted. It made it just bloated up and stretched out this end game that was just unnecessary within the grand scheme of everything that was going on. To the point where a lot of different situations and moments between Naruto actually doing something or going somewhere had characters pause to talk about their feelings or their emotions towards the hurt that was happening which led into the final confrontation within the series those are things that were greatly ruining naruto but it wasn't the escalation 
<laughs> the escalation was just what the story was leading into. It was always building up to some final grand confrontation behind Madar because the story itself just kept running under the um, idea of, yeah, there's someone pulling the strings. There's someone pulling the strings behind the person pulling the strings. There's someone pulling the strings behind the person pulling the strings. Behind the person pulling the strings. That's what the story was. It was stupid. <laughs> so it inevitably ended on stupid. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. It's not that the escalation was the problem. The story was terribly written. The characters were horribly developed. Everything that they had going for it that was good within the beginning was immediately annexed in order to make way for the giant fast-paced um in-your-face action that they got at the end which was far too similar to Dragon Ball Z than the inevitable slow and far more controlled concept of techniques that they presented within the beginning why because Naruto gave, um, because Naruto decided to um use style over substance a common fucking Chinese practice within their comics and their um um, uh, Dunghua and uh, cartoons and anime and shit like that within and um Chinese stuff, uh, and Korean stuff sometimes as well. But it's just um where it's just essentially just style trumps everything. It doesn't matter what the hell the story got going on. It doesn't matter how stupid of a situation is or how we need to connect this part to this part. As long as you got style, you can make up for everything else. But fuck out of here. <laughs> in order to save the world that has many very good moments but is filled with so many side stories and extraneous characters that it begins to all run together and the stakes get lost in the middle of all this and eventually it just becomes much harder to stay invested. I read Naruto all the way to the end but it was purely out of wanting to see the story of the characters I grew up with conclude. And it ended. No, I agree with him on that because that's the same reason why I finished reading Naruto. But again, my falling out with Naruto um, was not because that... I had an issue with the escalation of what was going on. I had an issue with all of Naruto. The story, the characters, the overall progression. I got pissed when Hinata finally admitted that she liked Naruto. And then the series itself completely forgot that that happened. And then had Sakura tell Naruto that she liked him in order to get him to stop chasing after Sasuke. And never having a moment where Naruto acknowledged, confronted, or even talked to Hinata after her confession and him literally losing his shit when he thought she died. I hadn't, it, that's when I was like, yeah, Naruto can go fuck itself <laughs> because that was like a moment I've been waiting for and the series itself treated it as if, eh, whatever. <laughs> well, fuck. That kind of being a chore. Bleach, uh, it handled this much worse. Now, considering the route of the shonen that he's showing, and what he's showing, I am concerned. <laughs> because a lot of this shit has been things that you've seen on Toonami or Adult Swim, um, and have been... You know, so far since in introducing Bleach, and now he's talked about Bleach. Um, those are the big three. But then he also talked about Hunter x Hunter, which at the time of this, which was like 2017, should have been an anime, you know, should have been, it was the anime that was out, but that was the fad anime, um, not really the longevity, big, big hitter, like, um, 
the big three or Dragon Ball Z, if you will. Uh, Hunter x Hunter is pales in comparison to Nectar to them. Um, it's weird that he would even, uh, well, essentially he held high, Hunter x Hunter in higher acclaim rather than um, everything else, but uh, in, in a higher acclaim, really. Uh, but now again, like I said, I'm worried. <laughs> uh, I I don't remember, but I feel as if this is going to end talking about JoJo, and I I don't want it to because <laughs> there's so much wrong with JoJo. But um, it feels as if that might be where his preference lies is in an anime that's structured like JoJo. But um. And, I, and if, if it is, like, I'll, I'll get to it. Because, like, again, I'm trying to remember from what I saw, but it was so long ago. But uh, I'm feeling like that's where his preferences lie. But essentially, the shonen that he's showcasing and he's talking about, do, um, they were the popular ones and whatnot. But they're all structured differently, you know? Because uh, essentially, bringing up Bleach and not, because uh, I'm pretty sure he's not going to, but uh, a wonderful comparison to Bleach would be Yu Yu Hakusho, which essentially fits the motif of everything that he's talking about within the escalation and whatnot. But I don't think he's going to talk about that. Um, and if anything like that, that really, that really encumbers the whole, like, I mean, well, Bleach is really like a big time copy of uh, Yu Yu Hakusho. I mean, it's not, it doesn't copy blatantly or outright or anything like that but it is it's similar it's similar in a lot of aspects uh hell even uh ichigo basically having a hollow power similar to yusuke being part demon get, get the fuck out of here but <laughs> like it's similar it's very similar um the delinquent s attitude towards things come on dude <laughs> but yeah um that's that's a thing that's a thing but now um let's not forget in terms of getting into bleach full disclosure um i hold no love for bleach but you know i know enough about it it's one of the big three if you watch naruto one piece you fucking watch bleach as well um but i won't act like bleach doesn't have pro bleach has a lot of fucking problems but bleach was done under the creator's intent of just essentially drawing cool shit and this is in no way, shape, or form an excuse. I like saying this because it's understandable when you look at the artwork done in Bleach. Uh, much like the stuff done in Berserk, um, you would sit there and look at it and be like, yo, fucking love went into drawing this shit. And it's like, yes, yes, it did. <laughs> and then you get into Bleach's story and it's like, yo, fucking nonsense was brought into this. And it's like, yes, yes, it was. <laughs> But man, was there love into drawing this. And that's, <laughs> that's just a disclosure of <laughs> Bleach's part. But yeah, there's plenty of things wrong with Bleach. Uh, but let's let's see what he's talking about. That where again, I'm pretty sure he's gonna go into escalation. Um, but I get that that's the main theme of this video, but it's not you're not proving that to be bad. You're just proving it to be something that you generally don't like in your anime. And then it's like, motherfuckers, stop watching Shonen it. Like, because <laughs> like they, they escalate problems. That's kind of how that structure is built upon. Or like, that's what the, the animes themselves build their structures around. 
hell, even him mentioning One Piece, he kind of he didn't get into the fact that One Piece had a fantastic way of evaluating character strength and growth without having um, the need of upping the ante of a villain. There's multiple moments in One Piece where essentially they tackle and they fight someone that's just way out of their league and they lose, and then you sit there and have them uh, essentially go back and be reevaluated, and then essentially go into a situation where they're dealing with other people or other problems multiple times that that happens in one piece and this fantastic storytelling um zoro losing the hawkeye mihawk the guy that he's aiming to beat by the end of the series and when you think back to the fact that zoro met mihawk early on within the series and considering mihawk's power scale or what he's classified as and where he fits within the world of one piece it just makes you go there was no way in hell zoro of that time could defeat him but it it urged you more throughout learning more and more what hawkeye was capable of to see zoro's progression and it has you go damn i don't think he's going to be able to beat this guy or damn i can't wait for him to fight this guy and see if he can beat this guy that's fucking awesome <laughs> his dream was so far out of his reach when he first met him but now we're seeing him gain that level to be there but seeing Zoro essentially get stronger in comparison to Luffy who's on a journey to just find his dream totally different fucking things but they're both on the same fucking path beautiful storytelling beautiful way of having that concept having multiple moments when like Luffy and um, Robin ran into Akijo the fucking admiral and he froze their ass and thought he killed them. Like he just left after he froze them. And then basically they was they was out. They they was gone. Um, then you also have them running in with Bartholomew Kuma, who just like decimated the entire fucking crew. You have these moments that tone it, it didn't tone down or lessen anything um in terms of escalation because it kept it apparent that hey, there's motherfuckers out there that can generally do dirt that these characters are not ready for, but they're traveling in a world where you can just stumble upon them at any fucking time. Hell, they even met people who essentially were the celestial dragons who were weak as shit, but touching them is a fucking sin <laughs> to where you get a goddamn buster call. You, you see what I'm saying? It's like, if you don't know what buster call is, like, watch One Piece. But you, you see what I'm saying like in terms of one Piece structured shit fantastically because it has such a well-knit story and the overall catharsis of of power of um, escalation doesn't really fit within that world or within that confine because there's never really an escalation problem. There's just as this overwhelming threat of anything can happen at any point in time and the series itself has that happen multiple times. You have Don Krieg, a motherfucker who essentially was starving about to take over a fucking floating um, restaurant ship and then immediately get attacked by the world's strongest swordsman. Who the fuck thought that was going to happen? One of the moments in which they try to get into the Grand Line, they cross the Calm Belt, I mean the Calm Belt, and then giant sea kings appear out of nowhere and their ship is so tiny compared to those motherfuckers. And it's like, you don't do that because of how dangerous it is to cross the Calm Belt with these sea kings being such a threat. And that just lets you even further know, like, these, these giant beasts live in the ocean and... <laughs> it's like what <laughs> so 
just you have that structure within One Piece. But I'm like, I'm now gushing over One Piece. But listen, we really got to talk about Bleach. I swear to God, this ends with JoJo. I swear to God, man. Tight Kubo, which apparently that's pronounced that way. I don't know why. Tight Kubo seems to understand the need to de-escalate when the story gets too big, and did so multiple times, but unfortunately didn't seem to get the memo when it came to personal stakes. Thing is, he handled this wonderfully in his first major arc, the, uh, let's just call it the same Rukia arc. It was all about a group of teenagers trying to save their friend from being executed. That was always at the heart of the story as well. See, again, it's like listening to him. It's like, yo, dude, like, oh, my God. It's like his just his personal preference of there being his personal preference of it being personal, um, of the stakes being something that the characters have to generally um, care about or the situation of the story and everything taking place in a way where it fits in a far more close net uh, structure than being this grand gesture. Um, it's like he can't accept it being a grand gesture. It has to be personal. I, I don't understand this logic. I really don't. I mean, I'm not excusing Bleach or anything like that because even the, the concept of what was going on with Rukia is questionable at best. Uh, but overall, Ichigo's reason behind it was just like, yeah, I owe her. Like, her getting killed because she did what she did for me to help out my family. You know, to, for me, in order for me to help out my family, it's wrong for her to get murdered. Sure. Cool. I understand that. What takes place <laughs> because of this is like, what? <laughs> but that's besides the point. <laughs> but uh, it's just that I don't agree with the idea that um, many of the other things that happened within Bleach, especially even before they went to go save Rukia were things that essentially weren't as well done, well written, or just uh, far more meaningful. And I was like, no, it's, it's raised the stakes. And it's just this, uh, this weird opposition he has towards escalation. I just, I don't understand it because it's like, it's structured this way. Why? Ugh. <laughs> Was the personal growth of all these teens that you've come to know and love. After that, however, Kubo played lip service to the need for personal stakes without really seeming to understand what made his first big story work so well. In his next big arc, all he did was basically create the exact same situation, except with a lot more distractions from the personal goal and introducing way more characters and in doing so making it harder for the audience to care about what's happening. The story lost focus and the majority of Bleach's audience lost interest, leading it to be prematurely cancelled. However, I believe things... It was not prematurely canceled. Um, at that point in time, uh, Bleach's um, manga was over with. This is the same thing that um, was well, not the manga wasn't over with, but literally the same thing happened to uh, Fairy Tale, where essentially the interest in the viewership in the manga is over, and then they just flat out drop it, and. Um, but what fairy tale was like much deserved, um, but with Bleach it was kind of like really didn't understand exactly where he wanted his story to go because he didn't really have a plan for this story. It kind of was just all over the place. Literally, one of the reasons why like he just redid the exact same story all over again uh, is because like yeah, the story was not this dude's strong suit. This is not an excuse. This was this was one of the worst things about Bleach is because of how boring and stupid that concept got. That it just was like, 
oh, let's redo the Rukia thing all over again, but this time with Odahime, instead of the, the Soul Reapers, you now have the um, Espadas. Ooh. And now the Soul Reapers, who used to be the bad guys, are now the good guys. Ooh. But again, that's Shonen. Um, enemies becoming friends, friends becoming enemies. Um, that's a classic theme or a common trope within Shonen, and it's done all the time. If anything, I would say that's a bigger problem within Shonen than anything else. But uh, it is, well, I, actually, I would say the uh, one of the biggest problems is having a main character that is meant to be idiot and, like, just always an idiot, like, never thinking you're smart or anything like that, but, like, they're just super stupid, super stupid, <laughs> it's like, oh, man, ugh. but Bleach is a very weak, uh, is a very weak contender, and, uh, Jesus Christ, and even being considered good, um, of a, of a shonen, of a good shonen, it just luckily was able to coast off of the foot off of the heels of the big three um at that point in time bleach's popularity and rise was greatly um contributed to the fact that it was around the time when a lot of american audience was getting introduced and learning to appreciate anime this is more so brought on by uh naruto more than anything else more than any of the other uh three um Four kids was like fucking a one piece royally. I mean, like fucking it with a strap on with spikes on it. <laughs> but it still, still was a, still was a big deal. But hell, the proof is in the pudding. The fact that like one piece is like one of the biggest animes in the world right now. But Americans don't really get how big one piece is. Totally fine. But one piece is huge. Um, but just Americans just really don't get it. Um, but it is bleach coasted off of the fact that like, hey, a lot of people are getting interested in anime and a lot of people essentially, especially um, a perfect term for using these motherfuckers, Naruto's, loved anything that was under the shonen umbrella. So as long as it was shonen or it was under something that you could essentially see, most likely Cartoon Network, motherfuckers watched it and bleach was one of said shows. And the thing is, is that it was pushed by that generation that was thirsty for any type of anime content, period, rather than being pushed by a community that demanded better from the content that they were presented. No, all they demanded was just content. It didn't matter how, didn't matter where, they just demanded content. One of the reasons why Naruto was such a weak um, story after a while, or it started to basically go against its own initial concepts. In the beginning of Naruto, doing big-time jutsus required long hand symbols, but then as the series progresses, motherfucker was able to do these ridiculous jutsus without any hand symbols whatsoever. They just did shit. But, <laughs> again, that's that's Naruto's fucking problem. Uh, but Bleach had... Bleach did not deserve to be as popular as it was, sadly to say. I liked Bleach when I watched it. You know, it was fine. I'm okay with Bleach. Things that happened in Bleach were interesting and cool as hell. Hell, some of my favorite AMVs are made of Bleach. But Bleach was weak in comparison to the rest of the shows. It was not 
there um, overall. It was not well thought out. It was not well put together. You can basically get that from just the over, like an overview of the fucking story where the initial beginning of Bleach is totally different from what it eventually became. And hell, we're about to get a, um, a final arc to Bleach soon, I guess, where it's going to finally play what the manga ended on. And that's cool and all, but even that uh, storyline is just really fucking stupid. Uh, if you read the manga, where it's just kind of just lazily tries to end everything in just the most abysmal way possible. But what am I getting at here? <laughs> um, but Bleach essentially did not have an escalation problem. Bleach had a story problem because it it did escalate everything. But much like how he said, the story was exactly the same. The Everything was exactly the same. Nothing was different. Um, even the concept of going like, well, you know, escalation being the problem and whatnot. And it's like, well, the escalation thing was just another, uh, another negative aspect of it that was being copied to where like, instead of the 13 captains, you now have the 10, uh, Espada, you know? <laughs> and, and so, and after that, then you got the, um, the different Quincy's and whatever, but it just, it never really had anything concrete to hold on to and the anime made it even worse by having such incredibly long and drawn out fillers that no one was interested in to the point where when the story actually got somewhere within the manga people just completely lost interest by the time that the anime was there because the fillers were just so apparent long and drawn out and then considering that this was a series that ran on the whole uh, weekly base because that's generally what things did back then before they got to the whole seasonal aspect of it that also hindered in decreasing the attention of the series itself because the anime caught up to where the manga was and the manga really didn't have anything worthwhile going on at the point in time and the anime just needed to fill in some space and what they filled in was just bullshit and so then you show people enough bullshit, eventually they're going to go, this shit stink. So <laughs> that kind of was the reason for the uh, end of Bleach was all of those factors playing together without any type of foresight whatsoever. But yeah, yeah, that was it. All right, let's keep going. These are improving. If Dragon Ball was the first wave of Shonen, I'd consider Naruto and One Piece and Bleach to be the second wave of Shonen. Hunter Hunter is kind of its own thing, it's too singular and weird to be included in these trends, but I believe that means the third wave of Shonen is going to be led by shows like... Ah, oh, fuck. And when he said Hunter, Hunter, he had JoJo on there. But then when he said his third wave and like, um, well, he said the the next wave of um, <laughs> shows and whatnot. Because Hunter Hunter didn't lead shit when it came to Shonen. Not at all. The importance of One Piece stayed true throughout so much. Because, again, you're basing this off of your personal preference as well as a Westerner's mindset when it comes to these stories. The Journey to the West story has been a long-standing focal point behind so many tales within Eastern writing. 
throughout the fact that it has existed for so long. It is a major focal point behind this stuff. But, but, I remind you, series like One Piece, which essentially never faltered, continues to this day to pump out episodes to reign supreme in both manga sales and episode viewership don't follow the rules of essentially well now that something new is out that means that it is taking over no not at all this is greatly apparent within the manga sales because as many times as anime or different manga come out and their sales might overtake One Piece. It is blown all over the place in the news and whatnot as, hey, the this volume of this manga outsold One Piece. That is true. And I was like, yes, it did. But the entire time that that manga didn't outsell One Piece, One Piece was number one. And then once that manga essentially lost interest, one Piece overtook it again and then took back its spot as number one. And what would happen? That manga would not circumvent, come back, and then overtake One Piece again. No, another manga would possibly oversell One Piece. And then it would have the same rinse and repeat cycle all over again. One Piece is a different type of beast entirely. But a lot of people don't understand that concept because essentially they look at anime through the viewership of the of the um, of the fad of the popularity that it has at that point in time that does not change the importance or the popularity of this other series that came before it one piece is now currently the biggest fucking anime that's out in Japan right now but the most popular anime is Dragon Ball Z to the point where Dragon Ball Super is held in such high and high acclaim simply because it is a continuation of Dragon Ball Z. That's how big the longevity of these fan bases last throughout the whole world, not just under the Westerners' idea of understanding. As big of a as much as people like Hunter X Hunter. You cannot deny the fact that um, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood destroyed it in overall popularity at the time. Yes, people like Hunter x Hunter, but it wasn't the talk of, a ta talk of the town at the point in time when it came out. Naruto was still going. Um, uh, fucking uh, Naruto was still going. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood came out. One Piece was still reigning supreme. At the point in time, Hunter x Hunter sales never toppled One Piece. Hunter x Hunter, the anime, never even destroyed it in viewership. It had like 70-something episodes, and then it ended because the series itself is on hiatus, and that's as far as it progressed. That's it. But Hunter x Hunter was never held in high regards as anime, and I guarantee you, if it came back today, it would still be, it would be um, put down. It would not hold a candle to a lot of the other animes, because anime fandom now works on fads it works on what's popular it's crazy that that's the case but that should be what um what should have been one of the uh concepts of the biggest shonen problem because you can break down how anime was structured or the popularity that reigned true throughout the years because he's saying what he's saying about these shows and whatnot but he hasn't brought up Yu Yu Hakusho 
Inuyasha, the first full fucking Full Metal Alchemist that came out around the same time that Naruto, Bleach, and One Piece did, but basically was far more adult at the time. And it is a shonen, not a signing. It is a shonen. Um, you have. Uh, Death Note, which was a critically acclaimed fucking anime that held high regard and changed the whole concept of what a shonen was capable of outside of the realms of fighting because it dealt with literal mental shit. There were so many elements in play that have progressed over the years, even during the time frame in which this video came out, that shipped, that shaped how shonen was structured, that shaped so much shit that it is... To me, an ungodly sin to essentially ignore those factors as if they didn't play a part in the popularity of certain anime or they themselves weren't overshadowing some of the anime that he himself even brought up. Because again, I do not pretend as if Fullmetal Alchemist, even the original Fullmetal Alchemist, wasn't a huge frontrunner of a fucking popular anime. I've seen so many people walking around with fucking um, the alchemaic symbol on their backpacks or shit like that, or the, um, the, uh, state alchemist symbol on, um, like, on different things that they owned, and it was like, yeah, Fullman Alchemist was a big fucking deal at one point in time, thus the goddamn movies that they made, <laughs> you don't just get a movie out of nowhere, you gotta, you gotta matter to get a movie, goddammit, but these are things that he has not only not mentioned, but it just, it seems that he's completely overlooking in his overall assessment to just, equate and talk about escalation and i find that appalling i find that very appalling uh but you know what i find even more appalling uh don't you just hate when that happens i swear to god it's last time um hopefully <laughs> but oh uh, boy let's let's uh let's just get this over with <laughs> i was gonna sworn i planned on saying something right now but i, I totally totally spacing um but let's get into it but the anime that he's showing right now is my Hero Academia. The dicks people have sucked to make this anime seem far more important than it actually is. But let's get into it. And I, I'm glad I'm watching this now for a retrospective of his take, essentially, to... Because, again, I thought he was going to bring up JoJo. I could have sworn he was going to bring up JoJo, seeing as how JoJo was a perfect example of his concept of escalation. But I feel that he held it within Hunter x Hunter's world because of how weird and different it is. But, no, those things are shown, and they, they totally encompass everything that's wrong and crazy with Shonen as well. But it just seems like he just wants to ignore it because, hey, it doesn't really fit the motif of fighting, you're getting stronger in escalation, baby. Picking. <laughs> just picking and choosing. It's like all of these are Shonen. So what exactly is the difference between this? Because JoJo has power scaling and and, uh, and all that, but it's like, oh, I think the, the concept of it changing the characters and things like that confuses this man. <laughs> it's confusing. But whatever. Let's get into My Hero Academia. <laughs> My Hero Academia seems to completely understand what needs to be done in order to remain engaging while also feel like the story is always moving. There hasn't been a single arc, I'd say, that hasn't been grounded in personal stakes that make the story feel impactful. Kohei Horikoi. Okay. Now, he put on our My Hero Academia, the future of Shonen. At this point in time, what is the biggest anime going on right now my hero academia is still going on mind you during uh, the recording of this but what has overcome my hero academia 
Did you say Demon Slayer? <gasps> wow. I never would have guessed. Oh, wait. Isn't Demon Slayer damn near exactly like Fullmetal Alchemist? <gasps> wow. I never would have guessed. <laughs> so, what exactly did My Hero Academia bring to the table that essentially would allow him to say that it does all these things with personal stakes and whatnot? Well, the story revolves around the main character trying to fulfill his wish of becoming a superhero, similar to wanting to become King of the Pirates and also similar to wanting to become the Hokage. So exactly why does it differ with the personal stakes for this character than it does with any other characters, um, than it does with any other, other shonen that he showcased? Hmm. I don't think it does. If anything, I think that it's the exact same as the rest of them. It's just that you have a closed-knit situation, like a school, being done. Also, you're looking at this anime in its early stages. Like Again, remind you, this was done within 2017. We're in 20... I'm in 2021 right now, so this was done within 2017. You're looking at a manga that's in its early stages, and you're judging it in comparison to things that have gone on for fucking years, and has also sp expanded and grew their story that include and encumbered so many different characters, people, and situations and whatnot. My Hero Academia, upon the initial release of My Hero Academia, at the point of what it is right now, is such a shell of its former self, it's sickening. Dick, fucking Deku has all of the powers of all for one as well as like is capable of like doing everything. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> but that is not an escalation. That is not a problem. See, this is what I'm saying. Like being able the retrospective of what you thought, <laughs> what you think it was is what you thought it wasn't. Um, My Hero Academia was not free from sin. You looked at the series early on and you could tell that it had no other choice but to constantly escalate everything. The main character had a power that had an initial drawback upon not being able to do it 100%. That is a power scaling formula. You can only release a certain amount of percentage of your abilities before something like that happens. The drawback of using your abilities has you weakened. But then you have an immediate heals factor. Therefore, it doesn't really affect you overall um, functionality-wise, because you can still get patched up every now and again. Oh, you broke your finger, you get patched up. Yeah, it's the same thing as the Sensu Beans, or having a healer on hand as in Naruto. There is no real stake upon these destruction of the problem with his abilities, because he never has to suffer because of that. There's never a moment in My Hero Academia where essentially Deku was just kind of stranded in the void because the motherfucker lost all ability to move his arms because of a last fucking battle, because he didn't think things through, because he immediately was cast into another situation where now he's fucked. No! It runs exactly like all the other shonen. This bitch ain't different. <laughs> You're not built different. It's built exactly the same as everything else. You personally have a fixation on stakes being close to the chest as well as not being exacerbated because of the threat another character possess, um, possesses. That's all you, dude. 
that's cool that you feel this way. But this is not the problem with Shonen. This should not be considered one of the biggest problems with Shonen. You're taking what Dragon Ball Z did and then what other Shonen have tried to copy in order to even get a fraction of the power that Dragon Ball Z carries by copying and doing its format over and over and over again because that's how they fuck because that's how the fucking westerners I mean the easterners um story concepts is done and then you excuse certain elements within certain some animes that you essentially liked because they fit the motif of what you care for and then you condemn the other ones because they don't fit any of the motifs that you care for and that's just fucking bullshit she understands what he's doing, and he's very good at it. I'm not going to get... Uh, uh, okay, he said he's very good at it. You want to know what's fucked up? I keep constantly hearing from other people that essentially Vigilante is way better than My Hero Academia. Vigilante gets no love manga-wise, um, but it is getting an anime, which is great. Um, but when it does come out, because of how fat anime works, it will not be received as well as essentially... The next season of Demon Slayer, Jujutsu Kaisen, or um, Jujutsu Kaisen, um, Kaisen, or uh, the next big fan anime that I'm predicting is going to be Chainsaw Man. It's going to be Chainsaw Man. Um, it won't. Vigilante won't. You want to know why? Because Vigilante didn't come out first. <laughs> Even though Vigilante is going to be a prequel. But I constantly hear that Vigilante has a way better character, a way better concept of the story, and basically has a far better understanding of handling its character than My Hero Academia ever did. My Hero Academia has a broken, whack-ass story. Most of the anime that he has mentioned has had characters who essentially have some un have some ridiculous power imbued on them and then essentially they're trying to give the concept of hard work beating general uh, skill, talent, or genius by just general hard work. You have so many anime that essentially bring that to light in Shonen, um, but you excuse those factors, but it's because of what the story considers or um, contempts as uh, meaningful and impactful moments within the anime is what you're looking for. But you excuse the overall theme or the overall concept of essentially the, the hard work shit being not really taken seriously or the absolute idiocy behind the characters functioning and being structured the way that they are within their stories and never really any type of insightful or motivating moments with anything that's going on. I mean, you're about to gush over My Hero Academia, but how whack is it that My Hero Academia is about a character who wants to be a superhero, but his initial idea of becoming a superhero once he finds out that he's quirkless just stays an afterthought in the back of his head. Whereas, like, I still want to be a hero that everyone looks up to, but I don't have a power, so fuck it. <laughs> like, I just, I guess I won't be a hero then, but I really want to be a hero. Oh, wow, you really want to be a hero? I kind of do. How about I give you this end-all, be-all superpower that kind of makes you Superman? Wow, thank you. You just got to train a little bit afterwards. Oh, okay. How great would it have been if you already were training to still be a superhero despite the fact that you don't have powers? How, that's one of the reasons why I fucking hate My Hero Academia is because Deku's resolve was, is nothing. He has no resolve. If the asshole didn't have any quirk, the bitch wouldn't be a hero right now. But that is not something that I would, I would, um, 
feel is endearing of a character that's supposed to be a superhero. The fact that you don't have any powers and the fact that you still try stand up and try to um, fight against evil and um, do justice. Those are qualities that you can see of a hero. A perfect example of this is that wonderful scene in um, One Punch Man with a uh, Moomin Rider. Or the uh, bike rider, <laughs> bike rider man, um, but Moomin Rider, when he stood up to a fucking aquatic king that would in all rightlyhood kill his ass, and he's just a normal dude riding a bike, still being a hero, and he fought to protect everyone like a hero. No powers whatsoever, but it was an endearing moment in a scene because you felt for this asshole. You felt for the fact that this motherfucker is powerless to stop this creature, but he is doing everything within his powerless state to try to stop his creature. Those are the qualities of a fucking hero. That's the reason why everyone stood up and cheered his goddamn name while that shit was happening, because he was being a hero. Deku just says, I want to be a hero, but put in absolutely none of the fucking effort to require to do that but the fact that he can smile in the face of adversity and try to cheer up people when they're feeling down or whatnot or that he stopped the ice fire bitch from not using one of his powers because he has a stigma about it because of what he got going on which is none of Deku's problems mind you oh that we can sit there and equate to oh him being a hero that seems pretty idiotic if you ask me now, I will give him the benefit of the doubt when it comes to My Hero Academia and essentially him not knowing what the story progressed into and uh, upon the making of this uh, video essay that he did, or this video. Um, I will give him the benefit of the doubt is because essentially the story did not, he did not see what the story became in, um, became, or uh, he was not aware of what the story was going to go into. But what I would like to uh, understand and take into account is the fact of his lack of foresight in thinking that the anime itself wouldn't do what it did or get to that point or anything like that. Um, this is completely uh, idiotic. Just just so utterly redonkulous to essentially assume that just because you like an anime for what it's showcasing in the beginning that means that it would not uh deviate or break away from this concept later on it's not going to add a multitude of characters it's not going to have an inconvenient plot or it's going to have a convoluted storyline going on where you essentially you're all like the focus or the initial resolve is lost and it's like you could say this about naruto bleach one piece dragon ball z all of those things or dragon ball all of those things from the initial um start of the series but what it's spread into and what it's spread into is what it was it's like you're essentially you're just missing the point of the fact that these things are more focused on the journey rather than the individual story and the characters like they're well the it's focused on the journey and the characters and the stories that come with it is what comes with the actual journey so having things more close close to the vest or close to the chest for certain main characters and things like that that is bound to expand upon further meeting different people, interacting with different characters, having new characters or different situations pop up. That's just how anime works. But the fact that he really didn't didn't take notice of that, that I, I hold that against him big time. Hasn't been a single arc, I'd say, that hasn't been grounded in personal stakes that make the story feel impactful. Kohei Horikoshi understands what he's doing, and he's very good at it. I'm not going to get into the details with this one because I may just want to 
delve into My Hero Academia more deeply later. But I think it's a great way to kickstart this third wave of Shonen. You know, My Hero Academia may end up being an exception, but I have a feeling that whatever big action manga end up headlining Shonen Jump next will learn from the successes and mistakes of the anime and manga they loved growing up and do their best not to fall into the same trap. But, you know, we'll see. Okay, so that's the end of his of his video. Man, I gotta I gotta stop doing this. I'm I'm getting I'm getting too comfortable with these long ass rants for these videos that are like fucking minutes long and I'm speaking hours on this shit, but passion. That's what it is with me. It's passion. Pure pure passion. Ah uh, see he squandered he squanders all his his talking efforts <laughs> over these videos. Because he doesn't have any squash. <laughs> but. Uh, again. The lack of foresight. Uh, the the lack of understanding. For essentially assuming that. Oh no. like uh, My Hero Academia couldn't possibly do. The exact same thing that everything else did. And it's like what. Why would you not think of that? How could you essentially feel that way? And, and all it is is that essentially. You are on the hype train. Of My Hero Academia. You most likely did not perceive or get the rest of those things at the point in time that they did. Um, it's much like explaining to a Naruto or to go against Naruto to those people. That's the anime that got them into anime. So it doesn't really matter what the fuck happened in Naruto. That's just what they fell in love with, period. Same thing with Dragon Ball Z people. It doesn't matter what really went down. That's just what they fell in love with, period. Um, so when dealing with certain people who break, basically jumped onto the bandwagon of anime post Naruto, and then they saw My Hero Academia, a lot of people, and I mean a lot of people at that point in time, was just gushing about My Hero Academia. It ain't all that. It doesn't do anything new. It doesn't solve anything that's that major or change anything anime-wise or anime-esque. A big factor in My Hero Academia actually pulling and being as popular as it is, is because it tackles superheroes, which at that point in time was a big fucking deal because of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then you have comic book people basically eating their own and needing something to jump on the bandwagon of, and now you have so many people backing um, anime and manga, simply because of the fact that comics are no longer a viable media that they can invest themselves into. So they jump on the anime bandwagon. And what anime is closest to superheroes or anything else that's currently popular and has wonderful animation that they can look at rather than anything old? My Hero Academia. Doesn't change the fact that there's other anime and manga that have tackled the superhero genre already. But, no, My Hero Academia is new. So that means it's pretty. And uh, it's a shonen, so that means that it's of a major importance than everything else. Because a lot of motherfuckers like to devalue the fact or take away that there are way more genres than shonen <laughs> that exist within anime. To the point where a lot of people just say anime, and the only things they talk about are shonen. But, I, going over this video, I completely disagree with this guy's assessment of escalation being a problem. There's never been an issue with me and shonen. Um, shonen anime, the escalation problem, is a terrible take to have when it comes to shonen. Because shonen can be whatever the fuck you want it to be. The escalation of the story can be a very great storytelling element. Because, if, if, not because, but if 
you so choose for your story to tackle that element um, in a correct way, or you are able to structure your story in a fantastic way around that element. Perfect example is Dragon Ball Z on this factor. You then have situations where essentially you escalate the problem without a well finely knit story that essentially will make you shoot yourself in the foot. Perfect example is Bleach in this asset in this um, aspect where you have a somewhat okay story, but essentially everything is just kind of, um, and then you just escalate all the problems and the stories. So <laughs> with everything that you got going on, so there is no actual escalation problem. Because he did not talk about how those things were impacted the anime in a negative aspect. He gave hints and notions on exactly how people might have felt during particular arcs of an anime, or like people might have not liked this particular arc or that or whatnot. But again, mind you, uh, at the part of the, at the point of him showcasing this, or at the point of this video when he's talking about the Dress Rosa arc of One Piece and the up-and-coming popularity of My Hero Academia, My Hero Academia was still far below um, One Piece in terms of popularity or overall um, importance. There will never be a moment of Naruto ever beating One Piece in manga sales. There will never be a moment of, um, essentially, My Hero Academia ever beating uh one Piece in, in um, manga sales ever again. Once Demon Slayer, uh, Demon Slayer, the manga is over with. Once the, once the popularity of Demon Slayer dies down, that's it. But if One Piece is still going at that point in time, the impact that that shit has over Japan's manga sales is fucking ridiculous. So people misunder like they misunderstand. So many working uh, cogs in the machine for shonen anime to be the way that they are. And granted, he's only focusing and talking about the escalation um, aspect of a lot of the stories that go on within shonen, um, shonen anime. But again, my defense is that how are these things problems? The escalation aspect of these stories aren't inherently negative. They're, they're never really taken negative. That's kind of generally what the series themselves kind of progress and turn into. You have a character that grows. You have a character that gets stronger. You have a character that fights and whatnot. So why would something like My Hero Academia be, would be the exception rather than exactly like the norm? You literally have a character who has to grow stronger, who has to fight other villains who has to then use his powers and will get more power and fight with these more with these other powers learn and find new friends to exacerbate the situation of what's going on and whatnot it's the same shit as the other anime and manga but why is it that the lack of foresight of seeing that that will inevitably happen is something that he could just forego in terms of the escalation itself. So, um, in terms of the escalation problem itself, and it's like nothing in My Hero Academia proved or pointed or like that he noted or mentioned proved otherwise that it wouldn't fit. Um, it wouldn't fit within the realm of the escalation problem. It just seems like it was just a different type of shonen in his eyes that just had a far closer to the chest story than everything else. But again, how does that stop? How does that change the escalation problem? What wasn't that the overall um, theme of this video? You you failed to 
bring that up or mention that, you know? And it's like, you just, it's so new at the point in time of this video that essentially he just failed to forget, like, what the fuck it had going on. <laughs> like, oh, well, My Hair Academia does all of this stuff better than the rest of the shonen. What is it doing better? If not just going, it's doing the exact same fucking thing. It, it's just a, it's a take over preference that you shroud in essentially a common theme that you do not agree upon with an anime or shown in anime in particular. But that is not negative. The grand scaling and the importance of said anime, the proof is in the pudding. Dragon Ball Z is one of, is the biggest anime of all time. One Piece is still going strong as an anime. Demon Slayer is now a big contender that overtook My Hero Academia. Um, fucking Jujutsu Kaisen beat My Hero Academia in terms of popularity at one point in time in terms uh, in anime viewership according to the anime community. These things all follow their own structure, their own format, and their own way of handling their fucking story and whatnot. But none of these things were ever hindered or basically um, lessened over the years and just kind of like keep going. No one is looking at One Piece and is like, well, I'm just kind of waiting for it to be over with. The bitch is still a good show. It's still a good anime. It's still a good manga. It's still a very well thought out story with fantastic characters, fantastic arcs, and wonderful uh, plot progression and escalation. And as well as power system and whatnot, um, power scaling and whatnot. But according to, well, not according to you, but essentially if everything was to be considered the exact same with uh, the rest of the anime out there, One Piece should have died down in popularity. One Piece wouldn't be as big as it is anymore because essentially it has an escalation problem. Dragon Ball Z shouldn't be held in such high acclaim as it is today because the escalation problem. But again, when you were picking hair, when you were splitting hairs when talking about Dragon Ball Z in terms of being like, what was more important in the, the fight between Gohan and Cell, you failed to mention and recognize the fact that all of Dragon Ball Z is held within high regard. Even the escalation, the constant need to show a bigger and badder villain along with a bigger and badder main protagonist fit within Dragon Ball Z and it added to its popularity. It did not hinder it in any way, shape, or form. So how can you say that there is an escalation problem? If anything, there is a copy problem within Shonen Anime. That is the biggest problem. The lack of originality, the lack of um the lack of different ideas, the lack of changing of format and structure of story, the lack of doing anything outside of just taking from what was popular from something else and then implementing in your story with just small little tweaks. That is the biggest problem within shonen anime. But escalation is not such a thing. Hell, Toriko is one of the biggest um, shonen anime that's ever came out. But as far as the Western audience is concerned, we have no fucking idea what the hell that anime is about. But that was a big anime over in Japan, and it dealt with food. <laughs> food Wars is a big-time anime, and that's just basically food porn. But again, 
These are things that essentially the escalation problem with food wars is the fact that all it equates to is just making a better dish than the next person, using different ingredients to make a better dish. That's it. It keeps escalating, and I consider it whack as hell, but it's popular as shit because of the fact of the, the fucking etchy shit that it got going on. It still has episodes. It still is an anime people enjoy watching. There is no problem with escalation. That's the major um, consensus behind all of the sports anime shown in that exist. The motherfuckers thrive on escalation that's how that that's it's the major reason behind the progression of so many of their stories but i'm failing to see how you can say that that is a problem it's not a problem it's a storytelling element it's up in the ante in order for the series to just keep going but that does not mean that it is taken in a negative way as long as they're able to do it in a, in, a, in, a, in a as long as they're able to execute it perfectly how is it a problem and so far a lot of anime and manga have been executing it very well so I completely disagree with there being an escalation problem. That is not Shonen's biggest problem. There are plethora of other things that are wrong with Shonen. And My Hero Academia is one of the biggest faux pas in anime and manga for Shonen-wise. Or essentially one of the biggest centers in keeping those actual problems coherent within anime and manga. As their lack of everything is one of the reasons why a lot of anime and manga are just copying how it got popular and are doing the exact same thing all over again so it was that but <laughs> i do not agree with you at all at all there is no such thing as a shonen as the shonen anime escalation problem there is only the storytelling element of escalating the situation within a shonen anime and if you feel that that is not something that you adhere to or you like within your story you would rather a more close to the chest personal situation going on fine that's all you dude but that is not the that is not the consensus uh, not the consensus but that is not a condition for saying that there is a problem within shonen anime when essentially a major storytelling element within shonen anime is something that you personally don't agree with. So with that, I'm going to end this here. My voice is starting to get raspy again. But this has been another episode of Fun with Flame. I've been your host, Daniel the Flame. Remember, if you want to hear more content like this, be sure to check me out on anchor.fm slash Daniel the Flame or hit me up on Twitter at Daniel the Flame. And uh, you can always see whenever I update shit as I post it on there and whatnot. But this has been another episode of Flame. I've been your host, Daniel the Flame. And as always, good people, hope you have fun.